Why We Bleep is sponsored by Signal Sounds. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't resist a bargain. And so I found a man on Facebook Marketplace who said he'll sell me some incredibly weird and unusually esoteric instruments on the cheap. Unfortunately, he lives rather far away, and so I've driven five hours to Druidic Salisbury. And I'm standing in a rather remote field. Not choice to meet here, really, but it is, it's definitely the one he said he'd be at, and it is now rather wet, and it is rather dark, and he is rather late. It's four hours late. I must admit I'm slightly starting to think I should have just gone on signalsounds.com to get my weird noise fixed, as I saw they've got a whole crazy big restock of error instruments. Everyone's going mad for the new This Is Not Rocket Science Calabria rack modules they've done. There's a limited run of the new Moffin's Eve versus Boy Harsher drone modules. Uh, as well as they've restocked the LZX and Synteny video synthesis modules, plus rather fetching signal sounds, T-shirts and other merch. I, I really wouldn't mind some dry clothes right now. I'm very cold. Oh. Someone's coming. And they seem to have friends. And they're chanting. Oh dear. I'm finally being murdered. So to explore interesting new gear without the risk of being murdered by druids, visit signalsounds.com. That's signalsounds.com. Why we bleep is also sponsored by thonk.co.uk. This tune is wicked, isn't it, mate? How you right? How's your night going? Was that? What? Oh, you're dead into gnarly FM and acid bass? You want to build your own modules to both enjoy the satisfaction of making some of yourself and you want to save money, mate? Oh, mate, check out thonk.co.uk. They've got kits for the Timo Rosendahl FMP. That's a chip that was in the Sega Master System. Turned into an FM knobby module. Wicked. They've also got the ADAC 107 Acid Source. Complete Acid Voice in 9HP. Yeah, no, it's literally 9HP. Figure that one out later, mate. And then they've got the Caster and Pollux 2. Yeah, that's the oscillators from a Juno 106. Turned into a beautiful cosmic panel that looks like the sky on a moon. It's very nice, mate. The bollocks. It's the bollocks. S- speaking of acid sources, is is your face currently melting or is that just me? Gonna go have a dance. Catch you later, mate. So for face-melting modules, visit thonk.co.uk. Hi, I'm speaking to you from a hotel room in Salisbury, southwest England. Not somewhere I planned to record the intro to this podcast, but I live a sort of slightly weirder freewheeling life where I have to just go and do things like record a podcast with uh, Alex and John from the band Everything Everything, uh, which I did today. And then also... um, because I'm like stocking up my studio, ah, 
I don't love Mark Zuckerberg's advert factory, but I would say the one good of Facebook is that the marketplace is like the last bastion of kind of weird off-kilter, like, Wild West deals for stuff. I don't know if you've spent any time on it, but, I mean, can't recommend spending an enormous amount of time. There's a lot of weird, questionable ads where they're, like, people selling mirrors and <laughs> mostly I think it's about what you see reflected in the mirror and that's what you would get if you bought the mirror. But... For me, you know, eBay, Reverb, these stores are fairly well plundered at this point. Everyone kind of knows the value of stuff. But Facebook, man, Facebook's like that's still that weird Wild West. And you can find audio gear for good old deals, you know, like kind of five years ago prices for stuff. And like one great example was I really wanted a Yamaha TG33. I don't know if you know it. It's like a ambient wavetable rumpler master device it's just like very weird device as used by lfo by the way uh, there's some lfo sounds on there anyway I'm, like, I'm not paying 300 quid because all the cool kids know that the tg33 is like this cool ambient wonder synth uh, i'm gonna hold out i'm gonna hold out for a wild west deal and i sure enough found one for 150 pounds in some like west 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 of london like when my wife was visiting the area to see my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law and I got her to go and pick it up and so I kind of love it I must say and long story short is I'm here because uh, <laughs> I was interviewing everything everything and was like I found a Midas Venice which is a desk I've been looking for for some time for an insane price in Salisbury uh, home of the beautiful cathedral um, and other interesting wonders and potentially the ghost that will sit on the edge of my bed and look at me staying in my cheap little hotel. Yeah, so basically I added on a six-hour round trip and a hotel stay in order to pick this Midas Venice 320 up. Such is my commitment to a doorless jamming <laughs> that I would travel completely across the country. Um, I hope, I think it's in good condition. It was owned by a church, therefore it's right? It's only been used every Sunday. Uh, and it's been blessed, of course. So um, that will negate any devilry that has occurred within the circuits. So that's kind of what I'm up to. Yes, we've got podcasts are coming. I actually have another podcast recorded as well. If you like this podcast, please consider sponsoring on Patreon, where at Christmas time, I did a special bonus thing where I read M.R. James's Whistle and I'll Come to You, the whole short story. It's an hour-long audiobook reading by yours, Julie. Lots of uh, vocal fry is, is used during the uh, transmission. Uh, and you can get that if you subscribe on Patreon. So uh, if you enjoy Why We Bleep, please consider hopping on. There are bonuses. Patreon.com forward slash Mylar Melodies. Yes. It's Tom Whitwell time. It's Whitwellin time. For it has been more than a year since we had a Whitwellian ramble. And that's because yours truly had to give up his day job. Uh, I just was in no position last year to like get the podcast done. Um, trying to balance having a full-time job and doing a podcast and having a YouTube channel and having a family. Problematic, um, as I'm sure you can imagine. And so... We had a fallow year like Glastonbury's Fields. Um, and to make up for it, we have a bumper, big ass, three, nearly three hour 
conversation with Tom, um, which is as Tom Wellian as you would hope. It is a freewheeling conversation about where he has been, what he has done, what he's interested in, what he's been looking at, and um, just stuff shooting the hay. Um, I will spoil one thing, a few things, just to wet your whistle. Tom has been taking a sabbatical, which is to say that he's not been at work, but it turns out that Tom has been working incredibly hard in other ways and means and is developing something. There is a big, little music thing coming you may or may not be aware of. And if you look on Tom's Instagram, Tom has shared some sort of sneaky pics of it. Look at those really carefully. Study them. And if you study this podcast through it, uh, and this isn't intentional, by the way, I was just reflected that this happened during the podcast. I was like, Tom, you've kind of sowed clues about what it is throughout this podcast. So, um, yes, I'm hyping him because I've seen what it is and it's really cool. It's genuinely cool. When you see it, you will be like, oh, wow, what? It's what? How it does what? What's that? What's that bit? What's that bit, you will say? You'll say those things. Come back. Mark my words, my friend. I'm really happy that we've been able to talk to Tom. I took a trip down to London, especially, once again, <laughs> another weird freewheeling thing I can do is like, I'm going to go to London and record this. Uh, and so I spoke to Tom and I also uh, have a conversation recorded with RYK. Jake of RYK Modular, who is the person responsible for the M185 concept that gave birth to the Metropolis. So a very important person whose story has not been told. I do not know of an interview with Jake, um, but I have recorded one. So that is in an upcoming episode, as is a talk with everything, everything, and as is this talk with Tom. Thank you for listening to Bleeps for six years. This is the Mark Six edition of my conversations with Tom. Oh, something missed one. I think it's six. And so you've been very patient. Come, you and me, and we'll go to the shed in Hearn Hill. Thanks. Okay, are we Hi. good to go? Yeah, 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 come on. Right, before we Let's do anything go. else, we're going to do an exercise. So I'm going to give you some paper. Yeah. So I have some paper myself. And what we're going to do is some drawing. I like to draw. So we're going to do... Do you want the Foundation Louis Vuitton pencil? <laughs> you have that one? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Surprise you, you need to ask that question. And um, we're going to do that blind... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you you done this before? I have, yeah. Okay. So the rule, obviously, the critical, critical rule, is that I will look at you and you will look at me. Yeah. And you'll absolutely not look down at what you're drawing. Yeah, I swear, I promise. And you can do it. You're supposed to do it with a single line. You can if you want, or you can lift it up and bring it down. I don't think it makes much difference either way. But the real trick, and so what we'll do, we'll do it. Not looking down, then we'll turn them face down, and then we can come back to them later on. Okay, and that'd be an interesting thing to do. Uh, what are we going to draw, Tom? 
You're drawing me, I'm drawing you. Okay. And we should do, should we do a minute? Yep. Let's do, do an actual timer and everything. I might edit this in the actual... Podcast. Yeah, you could probably don't need to sit staring at us, us, us drawing. I mean, that'd be exciting. Staring lovingly into each other's eyes. Exactly. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. Go. Ha, wait, has the minute begun? It had, but you can start again if you <laughs> I'm want. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to turn the... Yeah. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, let's go. Quite long a minute, isn't it? Okay, face down. Um, there we go. That was fun. We can so, return to that later. What does it mean, though, or what will it mean? Well, I just I read like a blog post or something about it. I'd never heard of it before, and they were talking about just getting random people in the street, sitting down, and getting them to do exactly that exercise. And what I found when I tried it was I was just amazed by what I'd drawn because you draw stuff and it is all like nothing is where it should be, nothing connects properly. But I found that the kind of lines and the shapes and the kind of gestures, I was like, this is great. I really liked it. I liked the kind of feeling of it. And like when I did two or three with different things, there was a very different kind of vibe between them depending on what I was looking at and if I was trying to draw something myself I couldn't do it at all I've I've tried doing (laughs) that was a minute (laughs) I've I've tried doing like what if I do this but just occasionally look down and check it joins up completely kills it and and it becomes me trying to draw something that absolutely doesn't doesn't work so I found it a really interesting kind of lesson about kind of Doing the thing that doing it naturally rather than thinking about it, turning off the judgment, I think, yes. is what I found interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, no, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, of course, because you can't see it. So, how can you judge the drawing? So, you can't judge it. So, you just have to, and it, it obviously, I've been thinking about that. I did that thing a few years ago with the making an album in an evening where I kind of got it to print out these instructions for, for tracks and just did them like three minutes of rehearsal, three minutes of recording. And that was the same feeling there. I was like, I have no idea. I'm not sitting making something and then going, is that good, is it bad? I'm just making something and uh, pressing start, pressing stop, and then the thing's finished. And so that thing I'm doing in Falmouth, the the workshops, is that notion. It's that idea of put a bunch of people in, in a house in the countryside and give them that kind of discipline of just saying we're not judging we're not improving we're not trying to make something better we are just trying to stick to a kind of brief it's like you need to make something that reflects this line (laughs) and it's for you to decide how you reflect that line but at the end all you can say is yes i reflected that line or no i didn't really i wasn't really concentrating on it and i actually came in with an idea for a sample i wanted to use i just did that but if they come in and go this line does this from a graphic score I am somehow going to interpret that line for four minutes. It will start and it'll finish. Then I'll have a thing I've made. That, to me, seems quite attractive and quite interesting. So I found that drawing thing, like a really, like, mad instant version of that. Being able to produce something that, for me, was better than what I could normally do. And you're doing this because, basically, 
Well, it makes me think of a lot of things. There's a John Cage quote, isn't there, where it's like, is it John Cage where there's like, there's the instructions for artists and one of them is to separate the writing and the judging process. Yeah. Yeah. And I then also think of social media and how we rush to be like, like validate me, you yes. know, with, uh, to go straight to the to the sort of warm fuzzy feeling of 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 you know, give me a little like because I made something rather yeah. than let me reflect on. But also, it, it sounds like you're saying it's like a granularization that you're making it more. You're having a more granular sort of. I mean, is it just drawing? Or you, when you're doing a workshop, are you saying this is music that people will be making? Yeah, so it's music that people are making. And I think I found when I did that exercise of recording like six tracks, one after the other, you know, with an instruction for each. Mm. And with in that case, it was with that lunchbox modular there. I was like, what can I possibly do with this, with my understanding of this very limited set of things? That somehow responds, and the score in that case was like a few words, like mood type words. So it would be like furious, happy, something like that. Um, and then I think it had a couple of sort of prompts about like types of like aggressive sound or smooth sound or those sorts of things. And you were just like, okay, with that, what can I? possibly do that somehow feels like it connects with that feels like it's in some way reflecting that in a very very small amount of time and I found it so kind of intense that experience of just like I mean it's very much like that is the kind of improvisation experience as well if you're like I've got to do something now I can't listen to it for like five minutes and think of something I can't rewind it I've got to do something so it kind of has a beginning and a middle and an end mm in a very broad sense and then I've got to get to that and, and for me because I don't do much music and I don't and for you as somebody who performs and plays music it's quite a different you're pretty much more used to that but I found that that putting yourself in in this what felt like quite an extreme situation just in your own head and kind of trying to respond very quickly uh, well and then stopping and recording just the way when you're drawing that it feels quite like how do I how do I you, the, I mean, specifically to drawing, the other thing is that you bring, if you can, basically that people develop, uh, this is the, if, uh, I think I've tried this book, well, try this process from the book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. Oh, okay. Which is really good. Uh, weirdly, I just bought for my niece like yesterday um, because she's drawing loads. And one of the things, that, I'm sure it has that exercise in it. And, and it's part of it is the fact that, you know, we have symbology in our brains. We learn to draw an ear. We learn to draw an eye. Yeah. And what this is forcing you to do is actually, on a granular level... Draw what you see. Draw the true contour, at least yeah. an attempt at the true contour of what it really was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the separation of judgment and... Uh, like, I guess that's the problem with making music on a computer is you can just endlessly... You endlessly get the opportunity to rethink and judge, your, yeah. rejudge, and, and what you're saying is by, you know, and it is the reason I got into like live modular performance was just yeah. an absolute being so sick of not producing music in on a DAW yeah. that I was like, I am just literally going to force myself to do it in real time yeah. on this stupidly expensive box, yeah. and 
that that is the sort of primary motivator was then I'll have a track or I'll have music yeah. and I'll judge whether it's good later. It's well, true. it's the recording as well. I think the experience you get if you're on Ableton or something is you're recording, you know, a bar, you're recording like three notes or something, and then you're listening to it over and over again and you're polishing it. That business of saying, I'm now going to record whatever, four minutes, and then it's it stopped. I think was really is is really interesting. It's quite a different different like a whole take. take. So you're like, but you're not, and you're also not like, I'm not going to do a jam for two hours and then pick out the good bits. Mm-hmm. You can say I'm going to start and I'm going to do something and then I'm going to come to an end and I'm going to press stop. That I think is a really interesting. This is what uh, Daniel um, Miller and Gareth Jones did with their sunroof. With sunroof. sunroof. Oh yeah, sunroof. yeah. I should talk that. to him about that. Yeah, yeah. it's literally like um, they said we have a six minute timer. Yeah. I think they pre-worked out like, yeah, this sounds good. We could do a bit of this, do a bit yeah. of that. Right, timer starts yeah. six minutes later. Then you've you've, you've got, got two tracks and you finished. Yeah, and that's the so answer. Well, you know, <laughs> do that six times or whatever you've got. Well, that's that's the thing is the scale as well. It's being able to say, if you're doing it like this, you don't produce one track in three days. You can produce, I mean, you can produce twenty of them if you want yeah. it. Um, the other thing I've been thinking about is if you're doing a modular, whether you can actually build in... So, like, if you've got, like, a maths or something, an envelope generator, I think maths probably is about three minutes will be its longest envelope. Without um, additional CV modification. That sort of thing. If you send it negative CV, you can make the cycles longer. Okay. But either way, you've got an envelope that goes from zero to full in the length of a song. Yeah. That's quite an interesting thing to set up and work on itself. You set that off... Connect it to two oscillators. For a start, you'll just have the two of them phasing against each other in quite an interesting way. But then you say, well, how do I respond to what they're doing? Mm. And you've been forced within... Obviously, you're not forced because it'll then start again and give you another full three minutes. <laughs> but that, that idea of how do you build those limitations into the system you're working with, I think is quite interesting. You have a modular that, like, you get one of those uh, Amazon plugs that, like... We'll turn it on for a certain amount of time and it'll just switch your modular off at a certain time. Actually, that is like the that move thing I designed. What's that? Oh, yeah, where you, yeah. if you move, it makes you, sound. Well, it can do either way. It's a, it's, you can either say, if you stand still, the modular goes off, or if you move, the modular goes off. And it's quite interesting, the idea, when I was... I was That's actually really useful for, like, it uh, could be used at... Um, modular synth events where people just are doing dance music away. like if, if, yeah, if they stop at the audience and if everyone just stands and holds their beers yeah then dance, it will stop then the music the master channels. must dance it's got two channels the stereo will just cut off you'd be there that's a really good idea but I did also like it where it stops if you approach the modular so you leave you go out there and you kind of change some things and then you'd step back and you have to, and it's got like about a two second oh, wait. So you step back that's and good. then you stand perfectly still, and then it springs back to life. It's oh, obviously also it's quite fun also with um, if you're not just taking the master outs, so you're doing like a couple of channels of modulation. So it's like flat, and then when you stand still, it starts yeah moving. That's quite fun. Oh, I like that. I believe they still have some in stock at Thunk because it was it hasn't been the biggest selling module. Really? Yeah. Well, since Surprisingly. You, mentioned, you mentioned the whole application of making people dance. <laughs> I like the idea that your modular would sort of encourage you to have better behaviours. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could have a module that is just like uh, 
has a little screen and just gives you advice. You know, it just pops up. Well, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Oblique Strategies, which is fair enough. But You could definitely do an Oblique Strategies module. I have thought about that. It'd be quite big, quite annoying. Yeah. Or it could, it could just be, be paper. So every time you put a clock into it, it gives you a new Oblique Strategy. Mm. And they just sit there permanently. Or it could be like the disting with like one character at a time just <laughs> this blasting across. Just yeah. really, really fast. Yeah, that would be quite good. Um, you, we last met in January of 2022. And we may have met in December of 2021, potentially. Yes. We spoke. Um, oh, no, that was when we last virtually met. Yes. So it's been years. It's been multiple yeah, years. You haven't been to been the, the revamped shed. It's it changed is, around green walls. We don't have the um, proper banging in here. We don't have the. Uh, we used to have a palm trees mural well, like on the wall there, which was quite nice. But I did like that. it's now we've now got an actual palm tree. Yes, there's um, see. there's like a little uh, banana tree <laughs> on wheels, <laughs> which I like that it is portable. It's very heavy. Yeah, I better take a picture. Um, That's good. And. Uh, no, it's a nice space. And actually, and I, I finally also have a studio now. So I joined your club. Have you finished it? You were simply yeah. building it, well, uh, insulation, I I should soundproofing. Clarify. I haven't finished it. Right. Because there are still, like, cladding aspects to complete. There is still skirting board to put inside, a bit of paint. Don't skirting board in a shed. <laughs> and then do a shit in the corner and <laughs> shut the door and leave. You've just got, like, a little nodule of skirting board. but no, it's I... just to connect the, the floor to the wall. Otherwise, your resistors are going to fall down the crack. <laughs> um, I have built it. It is really good. It was. Did you build the actual structure? I know. I had people that came and did that. Like they, and so we did the SIPS thing. So uh, what's a SIPS? SIPS thing? is structural insulated panels, which are like you know, like ice cream wafers from back, right. in, back in when we were kids. And yeah. they, you know, and it was two bits of wafer, and in the middle a big wad of ice cream. Well, so that's the wall. Imagine that as a as a wall. So imagine wow. two sheets of OSB, the like yeah. stuff that Moog build their stands out of yeah. at trade shows. That's and a then, very niche reference <laughs> to explain <laughs> OSB to people. Thank you. You're welcome. And um, and then in the middle is like polystyrene. Yeah. But it's it's like really good polystyrene. Is it soundproofing as well? Or just heat. It it does have a good soundproofing element on one level, which yeah. is that it. It is an airtight structure. And without, okay, without, yes, without like yeah. doing a small building courses, they can come and in two days they built the structure. So in two days it went from a concrete pad to there is a How many was they? Two people. So I built this with my dad yeah, in seven days. I mean, that is outrageous. But your dad has built things before. He has built things before, yeah. Yeah, which is... And, and, and these, that was like 10, 10, 12 years ago and it's still standing and it hasn't leaked. Yeah, I know. And you basically got it for the material cost. And you did yes. it when, like, plywood wasn't was made. Cheap, you know, Russian true. plywood yeah, wasn't yeah. an issue. Russian and, plywood still exists. And, uh, like, and just everything is so expensive now. Yeah. Like, everything has gone up ridiculously. Which is also why, like, the price of, you know, when things get released and people are like, it's a bit expensive. But it's yeah. like, everything's more expensive. And it costs, anyway. But they came and put it up and it... it the problem is that it is very light, whereas brick yeah. is dense. The density of brick helps stop sound pass through. Yeah. However, the air tightness of yes, the SIP system also has in its advantages. There's no way for air to get in and out of a well-sealed... Like, Do you get that nice effect when you open and close the door and your ears go funny? 
It's like uh, a sucking effect. No, because I've had to ventilate it. Have you uh, ventilated this room? No, but this is not at all airtight. This is... Yeah. This so is, this is... Um, this is a Whitwell plaster, special. <laughs> plasterboard on the inside, which we'd actually get someone else to do. Yeah. Then a layer of, uh, like, rock wool, which mm-hmm. was... I think I did buy one that was more soundy than heaty. But I don't know. No idea. And then on the other side of that, you've got just a membrane. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, you've got oak cladding. And on the back, possibly one of the sides, you've just got plywood. So there's not that much to it, but it's got a bit of... But it, you do get that, like, if a window's open, opening the door feels different. It's like there's yeah, definitely yeah. some kind it's of... It's is the just point. about sealed. What I, what the, the question is, I mean, you keep it warm. It's quite warm in here, despite my natty yeah. jumper. I'm... I'm slightly warm, yeah. and I, I bring it up only because if you do, if you're listening to this and you are going to build a garden room, sealing your garden room that is full of music equipment is is generally considered a bad thing. I for condensation because yeah, yes, yeah. I don't get condensation noticeably in it, and it's. Do you it's, get any mold? Have you got moldy bits? No mold at all. No damp. No humidity well, issues. It's been because I, I think it can probably breathe. Plenty. Well, I think because of it's it, just because you've done it yourself, work. because it's a little maybe it has the right level of wonkiness. It's got quite. I mean, you can see the whole thing on a slope as well. You did tell me once this that was, a marble would like. This was the ridiculous the thing that when we installed the pad on the, it's not on concrete; it's on um, slabs. Yeah, we didn't think to say to the guy installing the slabs that we'd like it to be flat. You just said you wanted slabs. Just wanted slabs, and then we didn't really think about it much. <laughs> And when we were doing it, we had a kind of, um, like, tent, you know, pergola kind of thing there to cover up all the material. Yeah. So you couldn't get any distance away from it. So we yeah, built it. You didn't know. We took the tent down and we were like, hmm, that doesn't look terribly straight. And literally, if you're, if you're sitting on a, we've got kind of rugs down on it now, but if it's the bare floor and you're sitting on a chair with rolly wheels... You, you, you kind of have to, <laughs> to keep yourself up a little bit. It do you does, have chocks does under the system? You like should chocks, do, yeah, that yeah, would work. Chocks away yeah. for when Tom's yeah. day's finished. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if mine is... Mine is definitely not completely straight. But then I've come to learn from renovating our like house is that very rarely in How any structure straight, no. are, are any walls completely parallel, perpendicular, or, or, you know, everything is a bit wonky and crap. So have you got neighbours that that if you're playing music will be annoyed by you playing loud music? I hope not, because I spent a mini moog in soundproofing it. Okay, so you properly soundproofed it. Yeah, I actually have. Um, so beyond the building itself, the fabric of the building. So inside, so I I did the whole thing of having what's called genie clips. So genie clips are like a... Like, so it doesn't transfer the vibrations correct. through. They're like rubber grommeted clips that ran all the way the inside of the building. Wow. Rails that go on the rubber grommeted clips. Rock wall that goes in the between the rubber okay. grommeted rails. And then double plasterboard that goes two layers of plasterboard, the entire thing. And how big is it? Is it bigger than this space? I'm afraid so, yeah. It's, so it's like 4.5 prop- metres. 4 by 5 I think. So it is quite big. Oh, okay. So it's about twice as big as this thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not like... It's a bit longer and it's like a lot. Well, I think this point. is about four minutes. Yeah, okay. So, so you can really... You can have a drum kit in there and yeah, the could. Notice. I don't know if... I, that's the thing. Like, I've tested it with like 90 dB, like I with just a crap like level meter. 90 dB yeah. playing um, 
uh, boards of Canada yeah. and then shut the door. And if you stand outside the door, it's quiet. Yeah. And if you take, if you go 30 feet, you can't hear, you can't hear a dang thing. Yeah. I mean, I've never it's ever really had weird. any issue or complaint yeah. with here, but I'm not sitting here playing loud all day long. Loud. You, you have got double glazing. Well, you've got a single yes. one. No, it's double. Double glazing on all of those. It's like, yeah, it's surprising. I mean, I always, I took the view that with the sips, this, the compromise is, is twofold. The compromise is that you, sips has very low mass. So bass yeah. can just leave and go on its merry way. But like, I haven't tested it extensively, but I am set further back from my neighbours, so it's not that big an issue. Yeah. And but the, I think the, that's main, the main thing, the main no, but the main issue is is ventilation because having watched some YouTube videos, there's people who are like, yeah, I've been in here a year and there's like mould and yeah, like you know mouldy really gear, nice. mouldy yeah, equipment, bad, bad, bad. And so might as well start smoking if you're going to. Yeah, do exactly. That. So <laughs> I thought I won't install that and I'll just start smoking. So I've installed this uh, mechanical heat oh, yes, MHRV cool. yeah. thing, yeah. which is like what it does is it extracts the air yeah. and the moisture and it returns the warm air back into the room and it chucks the moisture outside. So welcome to the uh, Passive House building Yeah, yeah, Passive podcast. Building Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do TikToks like I really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like I haven't just read about it once and yeah, then just exactly. made, made a TikTok authoritatively. It's, but it is, I would say... The best thing, I mean, as I've got a list of things like gear that I've bought, but the the studio. Are you going to buy really fancy monitors and get it all fully like sound um, acoustic did, treated? No, I did want to get like some big like vintage three ways like yeah. Kef one hundred fours or something like these big. But you didn't. You, know, you bought little audio ones. gold tastics. Yeah, yeah. Ones, like you about know, what a grand and a half. Not for like Kefs, like they're not that special. Okay. But like you could get them. Yeah, tannoys. Yeah, like getting a Tannoy, what are they called? Mon- gold. Yeah, get, gold, some, get a couple like, of them, yeah. And have like, uh, make it like spirit land. Yeah, know. and get, you know, tube amplifiers. Oh, Sell all this gear just sitting there listening to, uh, listening to records. <laughs> That's tempting, but my hearing's really bad at the moment. <laughs> it's kind of worthless. I mean, my hearing's no worse than any sort of, you know, 60-year-old audio file, so maybe yeah, that's, no, that's, perfect. that's the point. But yeah, the studio, I think the best way of putting it is that the studio cost five mini-mogs. Uh, yes. That's my current investment on the studio, which is... Or that's about one and a half uh, synthes. Is it? Maybe a couple of VCS3s. Well, it's, it's about one Jupiter 8 yeah, on go. reverb. Yeah, Maybe not on reverb. It's not that bad. <laughs> but, I mean, if, you, if you're underspending a CS80, it's obviously going to be a terrible place. It's cheaper than a CS80. Yeah. Like, I mean, thank thank goodness. But it is. I, I would say that having. So, and, what and is it? There's the difference. What is it that's made it, that makes it such a like? This is the best thing. Because it's my space, and I can put things wherever I want. Whereas, to contrast, it was previously I was in the corner of our family living room. Yeah. At one point, our living room where it was shared, where we were making food in it because we were sorting the kitchen out. So there's like in my Metropolis or Metropolis video, there's one bit where you can hear like shh that's on, cooking. in the background. And that's Rach like frying something behind me as I'm demonstrating a module. So, and, and and to contrast that with just having your own space where everything can be set up. Like if there was, if there was one moral or like super dumb super obvious but just having the space to have your thing set up so that you don't have to set it up yeah. before you play with it 
is the most transformative and gratifying and important thing you could probably ever do. I remember when I first started talking to people who had modulars and wanted to talk about them. Uh, I talked to somebody who had like one of those for well, yeah, two of those up for like nine whatever they're called cases LC9s and he said exactly that he said the transformational thing is you come down you're, he was like he's he's a writer you want to spend ten minutes little gap and you go over and you turn it on and you're in an immediate bleep bloop world yeah I had that for a bit and I now completely destroyed it because all of my stuff is ridiculous cobbled together DIY nonsense. I have like modular there that's got a big chunk in the middle for just trying out new modules that don't have face plates. I mean, it's got None a... of it works. It's all cobbled together and it's really annoying. Uh, like your module, this is, I have a modular like this yeah. where it's just uh, the graveyard of stuff. That yeah, I, I never use it. Yeah. What do you use? Do you use this music easel? I use that music now? easel quite a lot. I haven't used it as much recently, but that I did use a lot and feel like I kind of learnt it. That's something we can just rock up to. And yeah, exactly. And I think it. it's exactly that. You just ping it on and then you're doing oh, stuff. Oh, oh. And you plug in my enormous collection of ridiculous... Um, Contrabulations for Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> program cards. I mean, this is the most ridiculous one. That is a good thing. So modular, put a modular inside your modular. So this is like a patch card, isn't it? Yeah. That is really cool. Like you can, you've soldered these like things on, have you? Or yeah. So you solder those on, which you can do, and then you can then all of the things you can't do on the front panel, or all of the things that you can't that you want to kind of preset, you can put into there. So things like on my one, which is an old one, not an old old one, but it's a DIY one. It's not one of the newest ones from Buckler. You can't do voltage control over envelopes, but with this you can. And then you can patch anything to anything else, basically. I love the idea that you've made it so because the alternative is like what well, the joke is like what was wrong with soldering resistors uh, onto a PCB as a one-way process in order to which save is a true, true. <laughs> Why I mean, that's is that absolutely perfectly fine, accessible yeah. way of doing it? Yeah. What's your beef? And then you start trying to create like that was supposed to be a kind of Rungler sequencer. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> cool idea, though. Yeah, cool. Lovely idea. idea. Um, that one, I can't remember. That was another Wrangler sequence that didn't work. Now that's a good one. That is a proper traditional patch card. Okay. That is literally a. And so all, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm holding a PCB which just seems to have uh, like resistors just randomly. Sort they're of, not random. They're deliberately not placed. Random. I know that, <laughs> but it, then it has the word randomized with some yeah. zappy lines coming off. And that is fantastic. You you have it playing, and you just plug that in, the whole thing goes mad. What does what is it? What does it do? So it's like there are a bunch of random signals on an easel. This just routes them to like cross modulation envelope. Attack time, decay time, oh, I see. So, uh, the modulator oscillator depth, the modulator oscillator. I'm not sure what that one is. It just it sends uh, random. It to sends all, the all. You know, it's more randoms than you can plug into it yourself, and it just immediately you goes. You put it on both mode, and then it just well, it, it, craziness. It makes a big. All the controls still work, and it'll do things. Yeah, but it just adds ridiculousness to it. It, it feels no. like the dream instrument for you, just the music keys. I did have really enjoyed it. It's been it's a really... It's like, yeah, I like of this. Yeah, I like the fact you can extend it. 
just but it enough. does feel substantially limited it's like yeah also i don't know if it's all of them but it's only my one it is so lo-fi like oh, really? there's just kind of noise on things there's kind of just grit on everything there's lots of bleed between different things uh it did i do find that slightly i mean i'm not normally very high some of the ones that I, the newer ones that i felt yeah some of the new ones. It feels ones. nice. It's very nice. You know, it's fine. It, it was made by Logan Erickson and me and yeah. Finley, and it all works, I think. But it's just like it was made by committee. Yeah, there's a lot of just. I just kind of feel like I'd like to turn the reverb up and not get a lot of one of the oscillators bleeding into the reverb. I'd like to. You were just uh, telling me earlier that uh, we should just tell people you should simplify devices and dictate it a little bit more. So, well, I think no, but I think with that, I think that that is a really good example of exactly that. It's that there are loads of, and when you, I found when I got into it, there are some really, there's a fantastic thing from a enormous dork perspective, (laughs) which is like it's got two filters on it these sort of non-resonant very simple low-pass filters as you play with it and if you put the switches in a certain way you realize that one of those filters is out of phase with the other one which means if you patch the same signal into both of them which there is a switch to do it becomes a high-pass filter Uh, it's those sorts of things but it's quite a crappy high-pass filter Mm. you kind of think i actually quite like a slightly nicer one uh but i think as a as a device and as a kind of and the fader thing the fact you can just kind of scrunch masses of controls together well, it's like, really interesting you can literally just, just be like get all your fingers across yeah, them you can do that that them. I think is amazing really yeah. and, and that being able to go from you know one thing to something very different yeah. is really interesting but I I sort of felt like when, when is, is it designed? 72 74 I was looking this up because I was looking up the 2600 yeah. is apparently the first example of semi-normaled synthesis. Well, that definitely is as well. I mean, but like... But this, that's totally this normal. Because that was the, the 2600 is 71. Okay. So, and then... If your claim is that Buchler saw that and copied it, I don't think that's going to be the answer. Do you reckon? Nah, he'll have, he'll have... I suppose the other thing is he would... That... that I suppose, yeah, it, is that, is, that? that is one device. In some ways, it's not... I suppose it's like it's not a modular at all, and that's what I mean by the limitation. Mm. That you can't... You can't decide to run the the um, sequencer off the oscillator. You know, that's not a, a thing that can be done. Yeah. Uh, you can't say, I'm going to run the sequencer audio rates because I'll just do that. I mean, there's some ways you can sort of get around it, but it's very different. And I think that's what I've so kind of in, internalised first from having a Nord modular and then having real modular is that idea of why on earth wouldn't you I mean I particularly find it with the, the Prophet 6 which sounds beautiful and is wonderful but like why can't I why can't I FM the speed of the envelopes with a with a you know just, I just like I wouldn't hmm. why can't I feed everything back into everything else why can't I I just sort of that's the kind of what I intuitively imagine doing, and I'm kind of always surprised that I can't do that. Should get but that is quite a niche. A modular synthesizer, Pat. Yeah, I should. 
But then why, you know, you might ask them, why have I just spent the last two and a half years assembling a modular synthesizer and not producing any music? Like, yes. Had you owned or just bought a Prophet 6? Like, yeah. I might add, the man who you were talking about making, a, you know, an album in an evening, it's like the guy, I read an article about a man um, who is making an album a day. Oh, yes. You saw yeah. that? Yeah. Album a day. Like, and they all sound, they sound samey. Uh, and he yeah. has enough time for like a two hour walk, you know, in the middle of the day. I was just like, fair play, you know, and he's getting a lot of plays on Spotify because he makes ambient music and it's gotten put on Spotify playlists by whatever, you know, nefarious agent in Spotify. I'm sure he's not just an AI though. Well, the fact that it's that just an AI the music got some very, very of a type. And yeah. it's like a Prophet 6. Yeah. A guitar, you know, a couple of nice pedals and logic, and yeah. that's it. And you just sort of like maybe a piano, and you just like just feel like soft tinkly jams. Yeah, three minutes fades in, three minutes fades it out. Throw it on the pile. Never looks back. Never yeah. listens to it once it's done. Just like tops and tails. And, that's right. I mean, that's good. Out and done. You know, just as we were saying earlier, that's that's the way he's it's he is genuinely productive. Twenty dollars out of distro kid or whatever for yeah. like. Just, exactly. I, you know, I, I, it's amazing, and I, I mean, I, I envy that. And actually, I have been doing some like one of the things of my studio has been the ability to have a jamming station. Something yeah. I was part of my mind. I was like, right, there'll be a one wall will have my computer in editing. Yeah. The other wall will have like my nineties super production setup with a circle yeah. on and a Mackie and loads of synths yeah. and samplers and stuff. The back wall will have a table to do modular videos and videos, yeah. table that is set up for video. But on the fourth wall, there will be a noise table. And the noise table very good. the noise table will just have a Mackie and a recorder. Yeah. And it will be about plonk something down, yeah. make a whimsical setup. And to yeah. be fair, actually what I've done is I've made a little like jamming setup with like iPads. Oh yes. And yeah. You saw it's like yeah. I like. I feel I need to stress like the. You're doing the decades, aren't you? You've got the nineties one with yeah. the rumpers and the Mackie. Early and this is your early noughties table. Kind of is. Yeah. I mean, my real early noughties was like Cubase, uh, crack Cubase on a, on an old Windows PC and a sampler and stuff. I love you. Seen Suren, my panda shall fly, is doing gigs yeah. on with like with old 90s, MacBooks 90s and nineties. Mac. I mean, I have an eBay search for the Pismo uh, MacBook because yeah. I wanted to basically get the the same era of laptop that like Aphex would have done drugs on, <laughs> and just and you can get like you know whatever the tracker is called, the uh, Player Pro, and then. And just, just like have a dirty. There's also an amazing picture of what's his chops from uh, Eric Persing from uh, Spectrasonics. Okay. You know, Spectrasonics, yeah, yeah. they make, yes. uh, you know, Trillion and yeah. what's yeah. it called? The thing that Omnisphere, Omnisphere yeah. where, you know, where you, the album was made and, the, yes. the, you know, it's Omnisphere. And basically, there's an amazing picture of him in like the, the late. 90s and he's sat like cross-legged in like a bright sunny californian thing he's got these like in a park and he's got these weird like shades on and he's got a mac yeah and he's doing some dsp stuff just like making smashing some weird sounds through some weird amazing like 90s dsp and i was just like that's actually kind of cool in a way and that's you know that's yeah. my panda shall fly is is kind of embracing exactly this that, era yeah. of technology I, uh, another thing is that I got a Nord Lead 2 and 
I have to say, of all of the synths that I've acquired, that one is the one that sparks the most the wooden joy. wiggly stick. Yeah, yeah, wooden. And the stone. Stone and wood. That's it has. Best. It, it is, like, it is weird how much it fills me with joy when I look at it, when I interact with it. I really, really like it for some reason. And, and a part of it is nostalgia for the era when I first got into electronic music, which was the late 90s, and you'd have, like, left field, and you'd see these bands, and you'd see the red keyboard on stage. Yeah. Um, and, it, and then when you actually get one, they sound amazing. Well, I, And they are garbage in terms of their DSP cycles, aren't the, they? The first thing, or well, the first since I ever had was a Elisa's Ion. Yeah. Which sounded incredible yeah, to me. And just microphone. sounds absolutely brilliant. Yes. And... And I remember I got rid of that and got a G2. Oh. And the G2 is amazing and fascinating and interesting. It doesn't sound big and chunky and warm and nice. No. I imagine it sounds weird. I've also got a Northern Very Micro Modular. Yeah. I think I'm also partly responsible for the Red 8 Mew. Yes, I, I think was, that I was, was like, definitely you and Steve. I knew nothing about it. Until was like, basically, I, I posted about it and Steve was like, oh, I've been like, Looking yeah. at these now, I was like, I don't, I don't know how it came about, but then very quickly there was a, yeah. red, a red one. Exactly. <laughs> I, it was a great surprise to me, but I was very pleased with them. <laughs> it, but the micro modular, I mean, it's amazing. Even now, yeah. it's, you know, it is. Uh, but then there are, the, the, it's not a joke, but there are things like it. Like there's, there's various little like boutique things with screens where you can plug together modules and make little yeah. virtual things. And, uh, and you've got like the Eventide. H eight thousand or H nine thousand, where you can plug together at very high cost. Have you seen, you know, that funny? There's a kind of very boutiquey thing like a Game Boy that's got a little crank on the side. Yeah, yeah. Or Playdate. Yeah, it's not teenage engineering thing. I don't. They've probably got something to do with it. They but it's have a thing that to sort do of with thing. everything like that. There's a guy in I can't remember where he is. He's a British guy who's made a modular for that. That looks absolutely amazing. It's like little modules that you plug together, and it's all on that plate. I've no idea what the interface. I, I think actually he <coughs> had specifically changed the hand crank for a, a Davies knob. Oh, very nice <laughs> to make it more knobby. But it looks amazing. I need to get. I need to find him and. Dig I actually more have, into I have it. a circuit bent speak and spell that's got knobs on the sides. That is quite like real. Definitely the way to go. Um, but yeah. I, I, the Nord lead surprised me because it sounded really good. So why did um, you buy it because you knew it sounded good or did you I it was it just nostalgia? one of those bits of gear that I just lusted after. I was like Are they cheap? Yeah, they're pretty cheap. Like yeah. they are pretty cheap. Like a few hundred quid. They still have a bit of value because people love them. Yeah. And and it's irrational. And, and you know, the, the joke is, I like post on my Instagram, and then Neil Barnes from Leftfield like comments on the things. You're like, and actually, Neil was like, "I love the Nordlead one because the one's got a better sound than the, the two. Of course. And I mean, and yeah, this is how it always starts. But obviously, maybe it's affectation. It's just like I love the one, but you haven't got the shiny converters that you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're it's like, like the Burr Browns. Are, when I had a DX7 II, it was like it's just got it's well, too, exactly. too polished. But I wanted polished. It's a DX7. Yeah, I, I, I like the fuzz of the DX, the yeah. one, the brown one, the no, chocolate I don't like one. The brown ones. So but I did get rid of that. My point is that they, the. I was wondering what the point was. Sorry, the point, get back the to that. point is that the cycles don't matter. The 
the chef matters, which is something I mean, I've yes. talked about endlessly, but it's just, it bears repeating when people complain about specs, complain about specs. Uh, complain uh, the about, only people who complain about it are people on internet forums. I mean, it's not. They don't really make music. It's not, uh, but it's not whether it's, they do or like, they don't. It's like, it's it's just like, like complaining this, you know. Do people complain? Maybe they don't complain, but like, you know, this has a restricted sample memory of like it was 64. So, so funny, people were like, Mega. Why does it run? Because it runs at some really weird rate. Yeah, yeah. It's like runs at like, like 53.2 kilohertz or something. Uh, maybe that's just the optimal. Like, sure, that's, that's how they've done it for that price. Why does it run at that rate? I, I don't know, but it will, it will be because the main chip and the codec that does the in and out. They needed to get them together at the optimal speed, and for some reason it ended up being that rather than yeah. being like 48k or whatever. I suppose what I'm the samples to, are just normal samples. I guess I'm, I'm speaking to the same thing that people might have an issue with. This is only 64 megabytes, where it's just like, my goodness, like. How many do you want? Yeah, well, like Big Loader from, you know, uh, Square Pusher was made on a sampler that's like 1.5 megabytes. Yeah. And it's like a drum and bass odyssey that sort of. You know, but presumably an MPC like, didn't have MPC sixty wouldn't have had sixty four megabytes. I don't know what they had, but I bet it was dick all. And that's the point. It's just like specs don't matter. Specs don't matter. Specs don't matter. Just like yeah. interface matters. Interface. Um, and but, but like coming back to the iPad is the fact that so you're saying it's important to have like knob per function, maybe switches, maybe yeah, that sort of thing, rather than these kind of complicated menus, lots of little buttons on them. This is sort of an internal joke that you're yeah. making. I mean. I think there are compromises. It's an endless. There it's are, basically the Euro rack there story. Are, there are it? compromises yeah. that you know you make compromises somewhere. Otherwise, yeah. you know everything would be sixty-two H. I mean that that is a really interesting. If you spend any time with it, there is a lot to learn in that. And you know this has got this has definitely got the optimum kind of interface that they would have done. You see, where they've done it like that. They didn't make it twice as big. They didn't make it too small. But there is an awful lot to kind of remember in that oh. and a lot of kind of when you say a lot to learn you mean that the interface is quite yeah tricky. the interface you know it's there's a, it's not that it's tricky it's just there is it's a complicated device and there is a lot of like when you're editing <laughs> when you're like editing samples on it with because the actual screen is the the three digit numbers you've seen this is not a screen this is just leds oh i see you so literally, you've got a tiny little three-digit display and then a load of white LEDs and a coloured plastic sheet over them. Well, that's it's quite... genius. I mean, very absolutely, efficient. absolutely yeah. genius. But it gets around the need to have, like, custom LCD, right? Which yeah, are, exactly. Those are the most expensive parts yeah. of those, like... And, and it does actually mean you've got a lot of, like... It's probably... It's not one button per thing, but you've got a lot of features and functions that you can see are displayed on there because it will have, you know, like, weird things will come on... If you're recording in a certain way, it's got its own light. If you're recording a different way, it's got its own light. All that stuff. I like that. When you mute it, it's like yeah. wink, wink, wink. I'm muted, and then it's that's cute. But it's a it is a really complicated thing, and it's got loads of like things that it can do, and there's an awful lot to learn. Makes do sense. you like it? Do you think it? I think it's an absolutely phenomenal object and a thing that they've made for that price and they've done it and the kind of as with all of their stuff the kind of chutzpah of coming up mm. with that is absolutely brilliant like actually making it look like a calculator as well making it like a calculator and it's lego compatible it's got <laughs> is it i mean it's literally lego look oh, it's you got... take this off what? 
that's Lego. You can build Lego onto all of it. It's it's absolutely brilliant. But I, yeah, I, I had an NPC years ago and just not very good at making. Well, I'm not very good at making music generally, but I'm really not very good at making. You like, find you find it, with this it. style of device. I found like I've also got the M8 tracker, and I found I enjoyed more kind of sprinkling random like pitch shifts and stuff into a grid produced for me stuff that was more pleasing and surprising for yeah. me for me to do it because I I just you see people making like I watched um did Magpie's video with this who's, who's it it's, anyway somebody somebody did an introduction video I kind of watched it and all the way through it and he just like taps in a beat and his beat sounds really good. And I tap in a beat and it sounds really lame. <laughs> I was like, just the basic, the basic ability of just, you've got a, got a, you know, a click going and you tap some sounds into it. I was like, I'm just not. Is, this is too, is, is, I, mean, I keep using the word prescriptive to describe. No, no, it's not at word? all that. It's, it's literally it, 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 for me. I don't feel like you want it to be more generative. For, yes, for me more, personally, I, yeah. I, I'm not, you know, talented at being able to just <laughs> sit there and go. I mean, that's and you just like go, you just go. This is great. Circa 1996. Um, that's not great. Whereas, obviously, for plenty of people, they are. But I mean, you can, you know, if we just, this should be something blank now. So let's. Okay, there you go. You you make us a beat. So you just hold down record and tap play. What do you mean? Like that. Now you're off. You See, I would rather... I want a Zoxy... I don't want to, like, play it by hand. I just want to... Do you mean that... Cause that's I'm, what I mean. That's, what I, I, that's why I like... For me, personally... You're a programmer. I enjoy... Yeah, I enjoyed the kind of tracker thing of just sprinkling stuff in the old series. Yeah. But... I, I would probably enjoy music made on this more. <laughs> it's just for me personally, I found it, I find it difficult and I find it kind of, it's not as, it's not as joyful as I would, as it would be if I was more confident doing that, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, we all have different ways of making music or different things that we're... What I also love that. is the similarities within that and this, like, it's the same thing. Yeah. And the crazy stuff on here, like when... It's got the effects on there where you just hold down effects and press a key and the whole screen kind of flips out if you're playing it. I mean, you can't... That stuff that's so immediate and so fun. <laughs> We're not demonstrating it to its best ability, I think, now. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun. It's hard to say what who it's for in a way. Like it's. Uh, I think if you were into it and you you got it and you had, you know, a sense of rhythm and the ability to make music, it'd be brilliant. I guess that, what I mean is it looks so extreme that you have to ask is like, oh, is this actually for musicians or is this, you know, I suppose that's on one level. I'm being cynical here, but like, but um, do you know what I mean? It's like you mean it, it looks they should so do a unlike. shiny black version of it. That Maybe like, yeah, it just looks is, boring. Like, yeah. you know, it looks super boring. Just so people are like, oh, okay, this is a real musical instrument. So uh, clever. The design. It's got this thing where if you press the front of a key, it has a pressure sensor, so you can 
with those effects, you hold it down and you can do oh. like aftertouch pressure on it. And the back of the key, it doesn't because it was cheaper to just do the front. But so you still get the, the you effect. still get the exact effect. And it, it, like they've created an entire, it's like a computer, like a computer keyboard, like you'd have in a, in a mechanical keyboard. But with this little touch-sensitive strip, it's amazing. I mean, just I, I am so in awe of what what they do, and the fact that they, as we've said lots of times before, the way they play at both ends, they're like, we're going to make the best possible weird handheld recorder thing we can. We're going to mm-hmm. mill it out of that aluminium, an amazing and it's going to cost fifteen hundred quid or whatever. And we're going to make a thing the size of a little tiny calculator that costs sixty quid. And also, we'll make an MPC that costs three hundred dollars, and is Lego compatible. It's just—I think it's so, so brilliant. Yeah, it is funny to me how people don't understand why a weird niche sort of Swedish boutique, tiny, you know, Nagra like polished Swiss watch device cost might cost, cost money. Quid. Yeah, exactly. Why is that not a hundred quid? What do they think a Nagra cost when it was new and yeah. had a use? Yeah, you know? exactly. It's a good grief. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, they're doing like we saw this like rabbit thing, you know. Yes, that, I mean, yeah. which looks crackers. They're doing like industrials and that cranky thing. I'm pretty yeah. sure is a teenager. Yeah, it's but something to do with. I don't them. know how many of them there are, but like, or where they, you know, they're obviously doing a lot of work. It's, and they're they're they will have sold an enormous number of those as well. And they, you know, they had some kind of packaging QC challenges with it when it came out. Apparently, yes. But the kind of the ability to ship and you know on that scale is just incredible where do they get them made are they made in China they must be made in China I'm sure they've got some business in I think they've got a fulfilment thing in Barcelona or something now yeah made in Spain it says made in Spain made in Spain amazing so yes Barcelona perhaps yeah is that because of this is the whole reason you have like Bifaco and stuff there are sort of grants or something about Spain sort of that encourages develop business development don't know. I know Bafaco sure. had, I think, space initially from was it was in a kind of communal kind of yeah. council. But I mean, similarly, like Funk's space is owned by Brighton Council. Oh, is it? It's all that sort of thing. You do feel like you're going to break it when you take. Yeah, that, I did feel you? a little bit like fine. a smash. <laughs> um, so you've been on sabbatical. Yes. You just gave up on the world of work. I've changed my job as well. Yeah, I was so going to ask you about the sabbatical thing. And like, I, in kind of May last year, literally read an article in a magazine that said you should take a sabbatical. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, and and I, I really clearly remember it, just reading and going, yes, I should do that. Uh, and I wasn't, it, it was kind of part, it was kind of because, I enjoy my day job. I enjoy what I do. And I've talked about it before and these kinds of things. I enjoy the variety and the doing interesting stuff. And a lot of it is quite kind of purposeful and it's it's a good thing to be doing. Um, but I was a bit like, I what I need to do is have a space to work out what I'm going to do for the next like 20 years. Yeah. What am I going to do? Because I've had all these different careers kind of in the past of journalism and magazines and newspaper and stuff and then the kind of consulting I'm doing and I feel like I've kind of bounced between them uh, and I, I was thinking well, that, like? well I, I, I've I always been in a position where like I've been laid off or I've left a company and oh, I need yeah. to find a new job yeah it wasn't a purpose and I always absolutely needed to find it and, and it wasn't and, and I can look back at it and say why well, wasn't I clever I moved from this area to this area <laughs> and this area is great but it was pretty kind of you know doing it as it came up 
And I, and I thought the idea of being able to try things and be able to focus a bit and think differently was quite interesting. What I found really interesting is that the ideas I had at the start have not necessarily particularly kind of played out into what I've done. I've definitely, the last kind of three, four months, been really focused on designing a complicated new music thing thing, mm-hmm. uh, which nice. I don't want to get too much into here because it will come out when it's, it's more finished. I will say it is, it is pretty damn cool. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's having that ability to say, I am literally, I mean, I was saying to you earlier, I literally will get up in the morning and spend four hours thinking about a particular voltage regulator. <laughs> and I'm like, I need this voltage regulator. I want to make sure that it's available. I want to make sure that I've got the pins right. I want to make sure that I get one that costs tuppence rather than 15 pence, because you do that over and over again, and it you know, will be 10, 15, 20 quid on the, the price of the thing at the end. Uh, and that ability to just, whereas in the past, I'd have been like, what did Emily use? I'll use that. <laughs> Literally, as I think many of us uh, in this world are like, well. if she's using it, it's fine, it's kosher. And I'm now looking at it going, well, that one she's using, that, that costs like, that costs uh, 45 pence. I'm not going to spend 45 pence on one of these. I, I, I've got to find one for tuppence somewhere. Uh, but obviously also asking much more interesting questions about like, what is this for? How will this work? And then the thing that's been really interesting is the kind of collaborating with people. So there's people on the kind of hardware side, there's a sort of software angle to it, and meeting people and saying, there is, you know, I'm I'm doing a thing. Do you want to get involved in it? Yeah. And sometimes it's that deliberate, but sometimes also it's just, I, I've just had the, the time to say, I'm just going to go and meet interesting people. And it's literally like, you know, there's a there's a um, ex, uh, I can't remember what it's called. There's a kind of experimental instruments lab in Reykjavik. And I was like, that looks awesome. Who do I know there? Who can I talk to there? So did you go? No, I didn't go there. But, oh. I, but I had a really nice chat with the guy who's work, one of the guys working okay. there. And we're just talking about what he's doing, how he got into it. He kind of explained that whole kind of academic world. Is another thing I'm wondering about is should I? You know, is that an area I can do something in? Talking about goldsmiths and things. I'm not sure I want to become an academic, but there's a lot of people doing a lot of really interesting, clever stuff in academic worlds. And kind of and something I've done during my day job is that kind of connect. How do you connect somebody with an interesting idea with can they produce something from that? Can they sell it? Can they do something interesting with it? Mm. So there's a lot there, I think. And I think that, for me, has made a big difference is between me sitting there going... I'm going to make this thing. I think when I started, I was like, I'm going to make this thing and I have the time to focus on it and do it right. Now I'm much more like, well, that's fine, but actually can I collaborate with people? Can I talk to interesting people? Can I make something that feels a bit bigger than than here's my new Mm. module? And that's been really exciting and really kind of rewarding and really sort of like... I'm just at the moment really kind of super excited about that side of things um and i mean a kind of race to get a kind of first prototype well i've done the first prototype. do the first prototype the first prototype doesn't work the second prototype will probably be better than the first prototype 
uh, and you kind of go through that cycle um, and the the sort of highs and lows of that journey are so amazing because you you have this idea you're really excited about it then you put it together and kind of make it work on a bit of breadboard and you're like great this is gonna be cool and then you send it off to get made and then it comes back and it just doesn't work it's <laughs> really sad and frustrating and then you kind of put it on a you know, I normally try and you need to sort of leave it to percolate in the back of your mind for a week or two, and then you go back to it and think, right, I'm going to spend the afternoon really trying to work out what on earth has gone wrong. Why on earth does this not do what I want it to do? And it'll be things like, you know, on, on, one of the things it has an oscillator on it. You plug in the oscillator. The, the really bad thing always happens when you do is you hear a thump. And you're mm. like. I mean, it's not very oscillatory, and it means <laughs> it should it's carry probably on. more like 12 volts or minus 12 volts. It doesn't sound very good. You plug it in here, that doesn't sound good, and then you feel well, there's definitely nothing nothing oscillating here. And you, I found with that, it has a little double transistor in it, like most oscillators do. And it turns out they make double transistors. Most of them are in this really sensible layout, where essentially you can put it in either way and it's kind of reversal. It's like, why wouldn't you lay it out like that? Some, they just do them differently. <laughs> so I had just picked one that did it differently. So you then have to go in with your tweezers and desolder, the, well, you have to order the replacement ones, wait a week for them to yeah. come. Then you go and desolder them, put it in, let it cool down a bit, plug it in, and then it oscillates. And that is the the best, that kind of roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about the, this one of it has this thing with kind of buttons that you press and signals come out of them, and that I kind of had this idea of this weird thing that nobody had done before. I made it sort of on breadboard to just prove the basic principles of it. Designed it, sent it off, came back, did absolutely nothing. I mean, it literally was just like completely dead, <laughs> and that took a lot of fiddling with it. But then when you get that working and then I had it sat there plugged into other things I was like this this is quite a fun little thing this is quite an interesting very weird interface very small little thing that you you could imagine people using and enjoying and that yeah so that kind of roller coaster of of the highs of the inventing and then the possibly even bigger high that when you when you debug something that hasn't worked it's mm. so pleasing mm. it's just like now I have it now it, now it operates particularly when it's just really weird things that are well beyond the limits of my understanding I had these envelopes in it that basically worked fine as you turn them up it goes faster and faster there's this weird like step so you know they're kind of in audio rate mm. by this and it would kind of go and I was like that kind of works. It's fine, really. Nobody's going to put it on a oscilloscope and look at it. It basically is fine. And then I put it on the oscilloscope. And it's quite weird what it's doing. With its, it's like its waveforms were really odd when it went over this kind of step. I was like, I have no notion of what this could possibly be. I'd read in a description about something totally different, the phrase speed up capacitor. I was like... I have no idea what a speed-up capacitor is, but that's the kind of idea. I, maybe it needs to be somehow sped up when it's going fast. Anyway, I was like fiddling this thing, and then I 
was soldering something to it, so it really heated it up. So it was like literally, I mean, not red hot, but it was, was really hot. Plugged it in while it was really hot, and it worked perfectly. The, the step had gone, it just went faster and faster very smoothly. And then you could see it on the oscilloscope as it cooled down, the weird waveform reappeared, and then once it was room temperature, it had this weird step back in it. Anyway, with my one knowledge of there is a thing called a speed-up capacitor, I look at it and I go, what if I put a capacitor there? And this is all this kind of tiny, tiny little circuit board. Shoe on in this capacitor, solder it in, plug it in, it worked. Perfectly. What is the step the had gone. I don't it? really know. It, <laughs> I guess it, it, it must mean as it's, because it's like oscillating, as it's oscillating at a particular speed, maybe it, you kind of shorts. I really don't know. I mean, I literally heard the phrase, and I looked at the way it's used in some oscillators is quite different. It wraps around a kind of transistor, but I just kind of tried. And, and you imagine at that point, I was just like, "This is feel like so God. brilliant!" I just, I am a genius. Love, this genius. is basically when I see your like completed projects, I'm just like, "How has anyone ever designed this?" And I now realise that you sort of don't know what you're doing <laughs> you know so well i mean that's the thing with now i slowly now i do understand iterate. more and more and more and that's the thing each time you do it and each time i do a failed project and i have now been doing it for like 10 10 years, 10 of years. failed projects and, I, and I, it is one of those things where if you do literally think about electronics for 10 years you do there's quite a lot of stuff that stores up but, but it is that kind of, i mean that that was a really that was a really unusual experience because the heat thing was so weird. It was like, there must be something here that can work. And I'd kind of, you know, there's a kind of basic design for how, like, those surge slopes work. It's that sort of circuit, but with quite a lot of different variations on it. And I'd done this thing to make it do what I wanted it to do in the first place. And this was kind of bolting things onto that. And it was, but yeah, just so, so pleasing. <laughs> Such a joy, and then you and obviously I then have to send that that prototype off, and we'll see if with it still extra, continues to work. With the if extra I look capacitor. at that capacitor and smile yeah. at it, <laughs> what, but regarding a sabbatical, though, it sounds like you're. What are your do you have conclusions at this point? No, I don't. I definitely don't. And I, what have you learned I've, about work? I suppose is the question. I I think there's something about that being able to absolutely focus. I think also there's something about, I can't really get it, but there's something about sort of levels of ambition, I think. Like ambition in terms of ambition to do something good rather than to get the next, the next job. I think when you're in a cycle and you're in a job, or, and I would have that with a, the sort of day job I was doing where you're, you're always like you can kind of see there is a amazing version and there is the version that you're doing which you're proud of and is good and then there's a kind of crappy version you're like well I'm not doing a crappy version I'm doing a good version I'm proud of it but you can kind of see over the over the horizon or upstairs there is a kind of wouldn't it be awesome if we did that but you don't because you're on a the cycle and on the kind of you know process and for me when I was doing modules for like two hours every morning it was good and I was able to make things happen but I mean like this thing took four years 
You're holding the eight. The eight mu took four years and it's finished. I'm proud of it and it's good that it came out, but it really didn't need to take eight years. Yeah, four years. Four years to make. Um, whereas, like the twin drive, which is a two mini drives in a module, took you know a week to make or something, mm. and we sold more mini drives than we did eight MUs. A thunk last oh, year. I mean, that's this is a perennial <laughs> problem. Like the music that you spend five minutes writing, and it's yeah. like it's your nest egg for the rest of your life. Versus the you know the, the album, your difficult concepts album yeah. that you're so proud of. Neville's like play the hits. Yeah. But I suppose it's that it's the the one I meant about ambition. Then is it's once is if you so if you're on a cycle and you're doing things, or if you've got a limited chunk of time, you're as ambitious as you can be. And like that AMU was a real, it wasn't ambitious in that it was sort of super difficult, but it was like, I have in my mind a thing and I will make that thing real. Yeah. And there was a lot of kind of complicated things around like editors and stuff that that made that take a long time. What I've found being able to really focus on something is that you, the, the level of ambition can rise, but not in a sort of linear thing. It's not like, I've got plenty of time I can try something a bit more difficult. It's that because you're spending so much time thinking about it and developing it, my ambition for the thing I'm designing now is bigger than it was last week because I thought about it more. Yeah. And I've thought of things that can come around how it's launched or things that come across how people use it or how people connect when they're using it, those sorts of things. That's, that's gone up and up and up. So the original the original kind of level of ambition I had for it was like, okay, I've got time. I can do something a bit bit sort of bigger. But as you spend time, it becomes substantially bigger. So to some extent now I'm looking and going, well, actually, is this the thing I'm going to do for the next five years? This kind well, of that thing? That or you mean thing, well, it's, it's not... No, it's not that thing as a designed piece of electronics but there's potentially elements of kind of community and events and the ways people work around something like that that you go well actually maybe that is a career whereas for me i'm gonna make another module and then great i can make 10 modules rather than four modules didn't particularly feel like something i wanted to focus on when when all the different ways of doing it. So, like, if I go and see Matthew at ALM, he has built a real, proper, substantial business employing really smart people in a nice space, building beautiful things that lots of people use. That's very different from what I do. I design things and then make them. Mm. Uh, so that's the thing he's built, I'd say. I'd say he's built that business rather than building a series of modules. Um, yeah, and as far as yeah. as far as a career, that feels like a hundred percent a proper proper career. Whereas for me, it didn't necessarily feel like make more modules more often was quite a thing. But I, you know, occasionally with the thing I'm thinking on now, you think, well, actually, maybe there is something that is a bit more, a bit bigger to that that might be interesting. I mean, it sounds like you're reflecting on the fact that you, you know, as we get older. There's not a thing. We think more about family. We also, you know, as we approach the end of our 40s, you know, we're just like, we're over the hump. And we've definitely, uh, we're 
we've definitely exceeded the mean life expectancy for humankind. So you do just think about what is actually a better legacy. Or is this what it sounds like? That's what I mean, I don't saying. know if it's legacy. I think it's more... Well, just that you want to make a, leave the world a, a better place. Well, it's a bit of purpose. It's like what... Because I think I was quite aware of... You know, in my day job, I was working with, like, the National Grid or working with health companies or working with, you know, big you know, government agencies, those sorts of things. That feels quite sort of purposeful and important. To some extent, you know, am I going to make a new distortion module that is nice and it's got a cool light on it? It's fun. That's nice and it's good and I enjoy that as a thing, but it didn't necessarily feel like... To make the world a better place. It does for people who want who a nice... really I mean, nice distortions. I, I think it does make the world a little bit of a better okay, place. Okay, good point. But, but maybe there's a more interesting, broader suppose, question. Well, it's this, this question of, like, if you compare designing a distortion module to a year of charity work. Yeah. There's two very different propositions and... I had like actually I had like a really profound experience doing charity work where like I volunteered in a uh, warehouse in Calais for like four days putting together like health kits yeah. for, for for migrants and it was weirdly like the best working experience of my entire life. Yeah. I felt the most fulfilled. I felt like high as a kite. It was really weird. Yeah. Uh, when was that? That was several years ago. Yeah four or five years ago now um but just for a weekend and it did make me think i was like well yeah and then that's i've quit my job and i've I'm like doing my own crazy sort of youtube thing it's a full-time yeah. job and i think i don't know like i <sighs> and how are you finding that now good i'm definitely I, I wanted to do it for a variety of reasons but like the flexibility and just and yeah. do and like not being beholden to just like a brutal, pointless, arbitrary schedule that is just sort of inherited from the industrial revolution. Yeah, and just you know the fact that I could be like, right, uh, I need to go to the doctors because my eardrums perforated. Yeah, and the fact that when I need to just go for a doctor's appointment, I don't have to say to my boss, "Is it all right if I make the time up to go and look after my health?" You know, I'm sorry so to have not stolen all, time that's from not, you. That's a, I mean, like, my day job, I didn't have to do that sort of thing. No, I know. That, but, you know but, they would trust you and they'd understand that you're not just going to wander off. And if you are wandering off, there's probably a good you're going to make stuff happen. But that's not the same with, with a lot of It's not the same with lots of jobs. It's true. Sure. And, like, and some companies are really cool. And, and I've worked yeah. in a number of different companies with varying degrees of quality. I suppose yeah. I can definitely say, like, I've never had a... I've had some okay managers yeah but i've never like but the, and weirdly like the best basically uh, there's a lot of managers who are and i discovered this term recently accidental managers absolutely and it's a it's terrible have you ever had a good manager i have had good managers yeah. um but i've had i mean you can imagine the media industry is terrible for find somebody who's good at writing articles yeah then get them to make a magazine well that's <laughs> Two totally different sets of skills to start yes. with. Then if they're really good at that. Maybe give them a company to run and who's responsible for hiring and firing and, and budgets. And you're like, 
that's also that's just the worst possible set of skills. <laughs> it would be, you know, it, yeah, it's mad. I was going to say it'd be like getting a, somebody who's good at playing football and making the manager. Oh, but, no, 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 no. <laughs> but this is this is my problem. I have I've done it for a long time, and it's just like I'm sort of sick of that thing of that like lottery. It's like trying to you know moving into a flat, not knowing who your flatmates are. But but the fact of the matter is, it's just like yeah, I I wanted to leave that world, and I was sick of the sick of the hours and the like and and you know i guess it's because i had a side hustle as it were because it, i had this very of, cycle driven that sort of any of that kind of marketing world is always like it's a constant loop isn't there yep and then there's also things like the there's a way that your manager likes things to be yeah and there's a reluctance to change things or you know and if you go i really think we should be doing something very different here yeah like well i disagree and you just that whole thing of of you're beholden to someone else's impressions on how you should do your job best or, or I think worst of the, all, you're a management in absentia, yeah. i.e. a manager, and I've had that too, where a manager just simply is not available and just doesn't manage. I think that's what too. I mean about that, when I was talking about ambition, that idea of you can be in that kind of environment and you can be doing well and everyone says you're doing fine and it's great and you're like, it's all good. But you have that little nagging notion of something better. But then it takes a long time to then actually have the kind of freedom and the bandwidth and the space to go the ambition wasn't this thing here it's this thing over here yeah. it's totally different that yeah. is actually a much bigger more interesting thing yeah. i think that that's the thing you only get from having that space uh, that, you your, your idea of what you want to do changed since you stopped that uh no but i've only six months into it so it's yeah. too soon to say other than well, so I, that's been building your and I, I had to build the damn studio as well, and that that has been like a time sink. But it's like, yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know. And uh, something that I thought to myself is like, oh, I might have time to do some volunteering, like you know, volunteer and do, you know, I would like to do some volunteering and you know, bring a modular synth or Ableton Live, and uh, yeah, this is how you make music because. But then I'm also conscious that just making YouTube videos is kind of doing that. But yeah, doing it in teaching, person isn't it? Would, be, would be helpful. It would be good. I think it, I'd feel better. Um, and yeah, but as you say, like you, be, when you're your own boss, you do have the capacity to actually work that way. You do have the capacity to go away and just think. Yeah. And actually, and take some time. And, and that's, that has been the greatest thing is like, that I have had the flexibility. I can be like, right, no, I'm going to, drop this and work on something else or i've got to take the kids somewhere and do something today or my brother's here i'll spend an hour with him yeah like you know i don't have to rush back to my desk in that sense and just those little but then it takes it's taken so much work to get to the point where you know and for yourself it's no trivial thing to be able to have the money to basically yeah to 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 take time off like that so it's it's so easy to buying a year is quite a weird very yeah. weird disconcerting thing to do yeah you, know, you obviously have to be at a certain position to be able to do that yeah exactly no you know very few people but then actually part of leaving london one of the reasons was to live somewhere more affordable yeah so that i didn't have to work as much because of that whole like being held to ransom by your rent thing well one of the things is by being really old like me yeah 
you might get to the point where you paid off your mortgage because that helps. Yeah, you do have to be quite old. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I'm not quite there yet, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm just actually really, I'm glad I got a mortgage, but yeah, it, like, I don't know. Uh, but I definitely know that I'm, I have a sense that, that as soon as I did it, as soon as I quit, I was like, this is fucking brilliant. This is exactly, yeah. this is great. And I'm not worried about the money side of it in the sense that I have enough, like, work that I think I, it's going to be okay. I don't foresee some huge drought yeah. of, like, things that can afford, you know, make me money. But I don't know what the ultimate, you know, the, the, but I, these are the questions. I'm, like, 40, and so I'm just, like, you get to a point where you then start asking questions about your life and I've got kids and what's the future and, and yeah and what will be well, a better the kids get older and, and disappear off as well that's the funny thing yeah. they just like they don't, need, themselves, don't right? need so much care to be taken of them yeah yeah, yeah. well that, which is to say I suppose yes me and my wife especially will have more time yeah but I don't know what the answer of what we should do with our lives is no I don't think we're going to solve that today. I don't think we've we can try but so for you with the thing you're doing that ambition question if you had you know suddenly you had you know mr beast's budget for things yeah and you had infinite time and you had infinite you know space and sidekicks to do your editing for you do you have ideas for the things that you would do I do. I have a probably a list of about 150 video ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But are <laughs> so, they that are yeah. they the ones you're doing now? But more of them, or is it fundamentally? If I was to do something, it's like one of the things I found funny was people. I saw a meme that was talking about my dream. In in the meme was a house in the country and an M8 tracker, uh. <laughs> and that idea of space time privacy and focus oh, yeah. to try and do something i thought that was a real i mean that's always interesting thinking about doing kind of retreats and stuff that idea of you give us some money you can come and sit in a house and you can just focus on this and nothing else that was but that i thought that was an interesting idea of something that clearly people would strive for and would look for oh yeah well the best thing about university was that i had time yeah. to just, just fart around and do things. I made music there as well, yeah. but I wasn't there to do music. But time was the thing. I time to just, you know, I didn't have to go to work and I was just doing the creative thing. That was absolutely yeah. the best part of it. Not what necessarily what I did and certainly not the teaching or anything, but it was the time. Um, so now you have the time. I do. That, no, and that is the point. And I am like able... Things like my jamming table are a direct, like, that's me going... I've wanted to do this for ages. I yeah. want this particular kind of setup. And I have taken time where I, I have no commercial, like, basically, I should be doing demos. Yeah. I've taken some time to do that because it's really important to, yeah. that, like, because basically you can't, I don't, I'm not interested in just making demos of things. I also want to have a practice. It's essential that I have, like, I actually do these things. You can't just be like Bellend on the internet who just tells you what to do. That's the thing I've decided I'm not going to have a musical practice because I really can't. Well, that's fine, and that's practice. fair enough. <laughs> um, 
but it, it, I really do want a musical yeah. touch, and it will inform videos. But there's another book. I read this book, Four Thousand Weeks, by Oliver Berkman, right? Which I don't know if you read that book, but but I, I can't recommend it enough. It's the best thing I've read all year, and probably all last year, and probably yeah. since we last actually were physically in the same room together. Actually, that was a Mastrina Bastronica, so it was, but before then, yes. It that book is basically about the sort of the hustle culture and the fact that it's okay to have a hobby uh, that you don't that you're not good at you know and many many things but its main sort of thrust, thrust is a sort of it's an antithesis to this sort of do more work hard hustle yeah. and the fact that holidays c- should only be seen as permissible because they're recharging you to come yeah, back yeah. and work harder as a good little drone when your holiday is over and it, it is it's the it's absolutely anti that and that and that creativity to no particular purpose i think is so important like um robin sloan wrote a brilliant post a few years ago about software as home cooking and so what he he has built for himself for his family a video sharing app because he can and his family wants to post videos to each other and say look there's this thing and for whatever reason they didn't want to do it on on you know whatsapp or anywhere else like that and because he has the skills to do it he goes on and he makes this app and then they can distribute it to his family it's got used by like five people and it the app store thinks it's a prototype and so it, it oversees it, overlooks it, that sort of thing. But his point was that's the difference. But he's not building it. He's not going to scale it. He's not going to scale it, sell it. He's not going to add features to it. He's not doing anything. It's not a business. Just like if I'm cooking something, I don't want to be a chef. Mm. I don't want to cook. I'm not looking going, well, it's fine. I've made you know this for four people. But what if I, how's it going to work for 400 people? It's no good. You know, and that that idea of making something for himself. For my dad, I, my, my dad's got um, really into poetry, well, since he retired, which was years ago. He's very interested in poetry. He writes poetry, performs poetry. And he's been interested, when I've done stuff in the past, like years ago I made a John Cage bot that just had a load of John Cage mm. stuff and chopped it up and produced things yeah. that sound like John Cage. And he found that really fascinating. So this year, for, for Christmas... <laughs> I made him a little poetry generator machine. I'll send you a photo of it. You can you can flash up at that point. That's got a little e-paper screen, like a Kindle screen, a little solar panel I kind of found somewhere and connected in, and a battery inside. And it connects to Wi-Fi. And it essentially the way it works is the system reads the Guardian, it finds a random article in the Guardian excluding sport and business because they weren't very inspiring uh, so it finds an article and then it sends it to uh, chat gpt to open ai through the api and says write a poem in the style of and then i filled it with a great big list of like random poets my dad was like i don't want these he gave me a list of very specific poets that he knows and he likes so it says write a poem in the style of and one of those people and it's amazing. I mean, it's really fascinating. What's really fascinating is because it's, it's everything in The Guardian. So it will write a poem about, like, the crossword announcement. <laughs> it will write a poem about 
the weather. It'll write a poem about a letter. It'll write a poem about the front page news story about Gaza, whatever. And then it writes these poems. And it's just, I mean, they're not, they're not brilliant poems, but they are definitely poems. They're quite distinctive the the styles you can tell the different style like it does William Carlos Williams it's quite different from somebody else uh, and it just does it like every hour and displays on the screen but the point was I made this thing you know it's a nice thing to do it was like I learned a lot through the process and fundamentally all the code were written by ChatGPT for ChatGPT because that's kind of how it works um, and gave it to me it's like oh this is amazing it's great you know you should sell these people are going to want these and I'm like I have no interest at all in doing that. A friend, Matt Webb, who's done a done an AI clock, and he is productizing it. He's building it, and another friend is writing some of the code for it. I'm like, I just, I absolutely don't want to do that. I have no interest. I mean, you know, it'd be nice if I need to send it to the people at the Guardian, they can see it, and they can go, that's nice, that's cool. Give one to, like, but I, I, it was just like that as an activity that I enjoyed and I learned, and I had a vague purpose of it to give my dad a Christmas present. Mm. But I, that's not a, it's not a thing, that's not a business, it's not a hustle you want to get into, it's just a fun... I mean, imagine trying to go into business based on the ChatGPT API is not a good idea. Yeah, it's different. terrible. <laughs> I suppose it's this idea... Well, one of the things that that book talks about similarly is like, well, it doesn't use this as an example, does it? No, but I'm going to use it, which is something we talked about endlessly, which is just the fact that people have modular synths. It's it's okay to have a modular synth and not make music, just in the same way that people have guitars. And I mean, I don't know if you play these, but like, but people have, lots of people have guitars and no one berates them for not making music. I think there's been like a sort of weird... There has been a kind of anti. I think because of the, like the cost of living crisis, there's been in the last sort of year or two like a real rise in sort of anti-money things. Yeah, that is to say that anyone talking about anything that's slightly expensive or or that that someone has made something that is expensive. I mean, has always existed to some degree. I remember when yeah. Moog released the like ten thousand pound gold. Mini mode. There were yeah. people like, eh, it's not like the greatest, yeah. but um, I'm, I'm Moog, by the way, <laughs> got sold to, yes. in music and went out of business. Yeah, uh, you know. But I suppose the point is just like, wait, what is the part? Oh, no, I've lost but it. isn't this? Isn't this just? It's just internet people say things on the internet. But it's I like, like I think like the idea of yes, if you are, if you are presented to something. And you're presented the opportunity to comment on it. You take that as the opportunity to well, complain. But also, if I leave a comment on it, if you look at all my comments on Instagram, they're generally me going, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's not very interesting content. You know, amazing. Love this. <laughs> that's literally all my comments. It's not good content for anyone. So if I'm the, if I'm the, make a bot If I'm the business, t- you could definitely make a Tom bot. It wouldn't be terribly interesting. <laughs> Hopefully, the people who receive those comments are happy. They're well, like, that's, that's, that's nice. The key but it's not, and hopefully, it, to some extent, it's good for the platform because then they carry on creating things. And certainly, when I get those messages, I find it pleasing. But it's not content. You're asking somebody the, the opportunity to say, What can you say about this thing? That's, that's the game they're playing. And, you know, that, that, that saying, This is too expensive. 
is much more interesting than you and me going, oh, it's really good that they've made that thing. And it's very understandable that it's quite expensive. And I can see that they've decided to make a metal table for £1,500. Yeah. Because have you seen how much expensive designer metal tables cost? It's about £1,500, actually. And they're quite good tables. That's right. not an interesting comment. It's just like us being smart asses. The problem is the fact that is true. Is I that also don't. Aware? But I don't think that like complaining about it is like either very helpful or a good use of anyone's time. No, but it's easy and appealing, and it's a. It's it makes a, them feel better. It, it makes what, them I, feel. I it's, I'm not, I, but yeah, I'm not you, trying to you, sort you, of illustrate what makes what gets my hair up, my back up about it. Is that what it illustrates is that a lack of thought. Because it's, but they're not thinking. They're, they're just sitting on Instagram, scrolling through. They're not like that's what I find annoying. They're not just like sitting on a podcast, giving their opinion about it. I don't think about things on a podcast. I'm just, just saying shit that comes out my mouth. But I think it's but, the it's the the point the point I'm really making is it's the that we're not we're not going to prevent people from saying it. You have to just uh, you know it's it's how you react to it. So if you see it and you go. That's really annoying. It's like that XKCD cartoon of somebody is wrong on the internet. Yeah. It's like, why, yeah, why are you up at 4 o'clock in the morning? Somebody's wrong on the internet. On the internet. <laughs> so correct them. Good luck with but that. It's the, you know, and it, it's the sort of, if you if you engage with it and you respond, it's easy to say. I, I get annoyed by things as well. But the problem really isn't them being wrong. The problem <coughs> is us reacting to it in a way that we find more, more irritating than it needs to be. And then it, that's when it then gets very toxic when you see people, you know, when you see people who made a video and suddenly they get 50 people all coming on and slagging them off, that's really... Doesn't you know, that's bad. Have it's you had that experience? I was going to ask. being slagged off? Yeah, have you had that kind of, I made a video and it got a real kind of angry response? Yeah, I made a video about this and it's got like loads of negative responses. Has it? <laughs> I'm not joking. It's actually the most negative response of any video that I've made in really? recent times. It was a very recent video about... Do you want one about MIDI controllers? Involve this. So what was their response? They were just like, cost too much. And this one does. Yeah, they're like, it's too expensive. Well, it does, just don't And buy you're them. a dumbass and like, and this is a dumb idea and like, you're dumb for making this and this is dumb. Well, just buy the Korg one then. <laughs> no, but you can't. There's a, there's a big plastic Korg one that costs like 25 quid. Oh, I know, but I'm annoyed that you've made it like, are you saying that I can't buy the Korg one? You've, you've presented no, you me this. you should buy so. the Korg one. Definitely. <laughs> Basically, I made a video about this yeah. and I used it illustratively yeah. because this is tiny and I just had it on my desk and yeah. I was like, oh, this is a good way of just demoing There's no ancillary stuff like, with it. It's just really simple. You should spend loads of money on a MIDI controller rather well, than... Well, I think what, what got people's back up was that I, I got an engaged a slightly clickbaity methodology to my titles and thumbnails. Did you have a picture of you going... I can't believe it. <laughs> Pretty much. No, okay. I didn't. Uh, what was your clickbait thumbnail then? The thumbnail was just uh, this on my table yeah. with my hand pointing at it. Yeah. And it said, uh, the cheap modular. Okay, that wasn't a good plan. Why? Because it's not cheap. It's really expensive. You have to make uh, it by okay. hand. Do you know yeah, how much these faders cost? Do you know how cost? much modular costs? <laughs> these uh, faders right, cost a Give lot. me your QMMG then. <laughs> I'll swap you it for that. <laughs> Mod- the point is, it is cheap. Even £100 for this thing is, is cheap. And you have to cheap. make it yourself. And you have to build it. The cool one you don't have to make yourself. So I understand. And then, and then also the title is kind of incendiary as well. Okay, so what you're saying the is... The title you're... was, don't buy a modular, buy a MIDI controller. Okay, so what it is, is you're, you're trying to get clickbait. And by doing that, you're damaging my brand. <laughs> 
Yes. Okay. Uh, well, well, good. I wasn't aware of that. I just. Well, you shouldn't have sent me one of these. I shouldn't have shared it anyway. Yeah, exactly. But the point is, like, by using a slightly clickbaity title, which, which, and let me be clear here, has it been watched a lot? Yes, I had like forty thousand views in like four or five days, which is quite a lot. But Find out if anyone's buying them. Apparently, people are buying are them because there are comments people going, "I bought one." Oh, <laughs> like, so, but the point, yeah, people get their back up because of clickbait, but. I would, you get people's backs up in money. I got money. someone's back up by successfully executing a use clickbait. of clickbait, yes. and which, I might add, uh, the video isn't a bait and switch. The video does not say, don't buy a modular, buy a MIDI controller with a picture of this going, it's the cheap modular. And the video goes on to say, you can get grids in Ableton Live. Yeah. You can map all the controls of grids to this thing and all the controls of the Ableton Live selector kit. So you can just sit with this thing and just create you can endless do this. Beats. That's the reason yeah, I made exactly. it. You can scrunch the thing yeah. and do that. And you can have a very nice physical yeah. experience with a MIDI controller, which when you close your eyes is the similar sort of thing that you would be doing with a modular synth, which would cost you 15 and grand. And modular synth, you can't move like this either. Correct, you can't accelerate. Have you seen Finley's video of this? No. So Finley Shakespeare did an absolutely, he's got a red one. Like, yeah. He did exactly, so he did this yeah. thing where I think it's, hard to remember how, it's, I think he's shaking it. Yeah. And it's like strumming a guitar. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then he's using these to change the chords, and then one of them is feedback, and it's like it's amazing. Yeah, that's good. So cool. That is good. When somebody does something like that, that it was just yeah, you're like that's why. I that's built. why I put in like the accelerometer because like I'm not sure I'm going to use accelerometer much, but I bet people are going to use it. Strain relief or something. But anyway, my point is that people, I mean, people get annoyed with you for all sorts of things, but yeah. in that instance, I'm afraid the reality is as well. Like to my to my detractors. Uh, I don't know if you've tried to make a YouTube video ever, but if you don't play the game of it, clickbait in some way, shape or form, you won't get watched because you you are competing with videos that are just like, you know, uh, I dropped a, you know, a ball from 10,000 feet and this happened. Do you not know about my history of YouTube videos? No. So in 2006, it must have been. I think YouTube started in 2005. Five. Yes. So 2006, seven maybe. Uh, I made a video as Music Thing when I was doing the Music Thing blog with the title Where Daft Punk Got Their Samples From. Oh, yeah. And it's got a... The first frame is like an I Love New York sign saying I Love Daft Punk, but... And then it just goes through... All the, the really famous samples on, on Discovery. That's got four million views. Yeah. And it had four million, basically all through that period. Does that pay for your sabbatical? And when onto, no, I never got a single penny from it. What? Because it, for oh, a start, I did it before they before they even had monetization. No, yeah. I did it oh, before they yeah. even had monetization. The monetization didn't exist when I did it. Okay. And then I think they probably introduced it after it had like three and a half million views. Can be asked fiddling with that, and it would get it's full of samples anyway. I have no idea, uh, but yeah, yeah, literally, it was it was all through. They were on tour in America, I think, at the time, and it was like a year or so. It was getting you know just constant, mm -hmm. constant. Mm -hmm. And what's funny now is this: well, there's hundreds of thousands of comments, certainly tens of thousands of comments, all of them going. Yeah, don't you know they're DJs? It's a DJ. That's what sampling is. Why are you saying sampling's bad? And then other people going, oh, wow, this is really shocking. 
Yeah, I and literally I thought they wrote thousands, it. hundreds of thousands of just looping comments with exactly the same comments on them one after the other. <laughs> and then there's now loads and loads of copies of it. Yeah, there's there are loads, loads, loads of clones. Really ones. good. The, ones, uh, the best ones are the ones where like, well, they, they take, really dig into they it. They take face to face and then they like oh, disassemble all, all yeah. the slices and little. Little, now this is just like the Edwin Bird song and stuff like that, but it was, yeah, yeah, the whole uh, ends with the um, Robot Rock, yeah, which is an amazing. I forgot. I don't know what the tune. My brother would know what tune that's. It's yeah, but you'd know it. No, I mean, it, it, well, it is it's just, literally. It's just that. Literally, that is it's nothing. Just that. No drum machine or anything. Just just that. I forget why I was like annoyed at people on the internet, except to say that. I think well, okay, so so it was cost. To, well, we always end up talking about price. We talked about price um, and what. It gets my back up because people are not thinking about it. They just go, it's just no critical thought. And uh, my problem is that I've seen it from both sides and I've worked in distribution and in sales and I've met the people who do as I met you and lots of other makers. And so I understand to a degree, you know, I, I talked to Daniel from Intelligel and he explained like a very recent podcast. He was like the Cascadia, which a lot of people have like, oh, it's expensive. Yeah. But it's like he made 500. He made 500 of them. Yeah. And he had to buy parts two years before it came out yeah. to just secure. That's exactly how you do and it. He said it had to be two to three times. It it costs, the end price is two to three times what the cost price. You yeah. Know, and it's, you also get the weird thing where the thing like that, the AMU is really, really low margins. Steve, I don't think particularly wants to sell more of them because it costs Even for a lot to make. Yeah, it costs costs loads to make. Why? Because these, these sliders or the it's ludicrous things like you see. So here's the sliders. On the back, there are these soldered on washers. There, like nuts yeah. that you screw into. The way we have done it, and it may well be that you could spend longer and optimize it more. Those cost like sixty p each. What? The little soldered things a washer. in China, and the fact it's not a washer; it's a, it's like a lump of um, like a standoff. I will unscrew it. It's a standoff. I'm standoff, sixty p each. Something like that, yeah. And I mean, they're, and they're made by Worth Electronic, which is a you know proper company. But it's just a little loop of a ring of metal. Yeah. And I did spend, you know, I'm getting better at that kind of stuff and the optimization, but I did spend, you know an amount of time going there must be cheaper versions yes. I found a slightly cheaper version of it that was not actually the same height so it makes the whole board slightly thicker so that little metal yeah, ring yeah. of metal there oh, it's got a thread that, in the inside. those buttons are about uh, 40-50p each oh my god the um, the <laughs> the yeah and there's six of them yeah yeah so it has an accelerometer, which is there. That costs about, like, maybe a quid or something. Yeah. The main chip is one of the chips that was very strongly affected by the parts kind of crisis. So that's, I don't know what those cost now, but they'll cost something. And then it's got three circuit boards. And then these sliders are probably, you know, £1.50, £2 yeah. each. So it's like, and we've we've looked at it and said... You know, there definitely are ways that it could be cheaper, but they're like, they're not going to make it 50 quid. 
Yeah. And 50 quid is still expensive for a MIDI controller. Yeah, it is. When when the Korg Nano controller... Is yeah, exactly. So, so it's like... They've made like... They'll probably have made like 40 or 50,000. Exactly. Um, to start. And we've made less than 500 of these. I think we've yeah. made... We've probably... No, we've probably made about 500 of them, but we've... There's still a few in stock. Um, but it is that... It's that kind of... Also, you know, just those screws... At the top and bottom. There's a bunch of. I mean, it's quite funny when you made. Did you make this one yourself? Or did you finish one? No, I got sent a, um, a a complete one. However, the red one, I've got sent a red one to build. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It's just quite funny when you have to screw whatever it is, sixteen screws in the front, the kind of bolt holding together, and then you put the back on. Um, but yeah, there's a and it's so when we looked at it, you you could say. You could do a certain amount of optimization with how it's made and how you, you buy it. You could probably find, you'd say, okay, I'm going to have these standoffs so they're 3.5 millimeters or 3.7 millimeters rather than three millimeters, but three millimeters perfectly lines up with the bottom of the USB socket <laughs> there. So it feels a lot nicer. You could strip off all the buttons, strip off the accelerometer. That would save you about maybe five five six quid on it or something but then you've got two different versions yeah. so you then do you want to buy this and I, and I strongly suspect if i made a kind of 85 quid version that was quite well, cut yeah, down it would just like, oh, i just have 100 quid, 100 quid you got a whole load of 85 quid ones you don't want so could you, you i mean and i think to get it to like um to get it to sort of 50 quid which would be a much better price it'd be great to sell it for that you would have to do a lot. People would still complain that it's more expensive well, than the Korg now. And also, you then have the actual profit that pays the staff at Thonk and yeah. pays a bit of me is is then down the same. I mean, you could say you could say, okay, we're going to pay, we're going to make, we're going to cut the cost down by this much and keep our profit the same. Or do, I mean, it's just I don't know. Well, you get rid of your profit, and then Tom hasn't got the money to make anything else and goes back to I'd, like normal work. To go back to normal work, exactly. Boring. <laughs> Um, so the other th- a topic that we love to talk about on this podcast is Uli Berenger. And there is something rather the Uli Ulifant in the room. <laughs> is the, that's what's going on. I've been thinking about that for a long time. I can see you got that. Thanks. I'm glad you got that out. The Ulifant in the room. What is the Ulifant in the room? You got cloned <laughs> yes. by fucking no, Uli was, fucking That Berenger was so funny. Is though. what happened. That was, that was just... That was <laughs> you got close. No, so the story of that was the original. I must have one somewhere here. In fact, I don't know where a it is. A planned chest of the modules. Ori- oh, this ridiculous chest of dead modules. I have so one the, like that. the original one was uh, more primitive than this one. It's still recording. So that was the original microphony. This is the. Oh, is it got uh, Paris? This is the Berlin What's Superbooth Berlin edition, edition with yeah. German words on it and a map of Berlin. There. Eingang and Ausgang. I'm particularly pleased with that one. Uh, nice. uh, and so it's not a great deal to that one, but that was the original one that the people did. This is the one that, in the plain version of it, the Roichi Sakamoto has it in his modular case, or did oh, have. Wow. That was wow. quite pleasing. Cool. So then, uh, I think it's in the case somewhere, that... that did well and got sold and, and people liked them and people started using it for uh, rings and like a couple of strong mm-hmm. so they would 
I remember seeing an amazing video with somebody with a pencil just tapping on the front to trigger off rings. Beautiful. Then Emily got in touch and said, can I do a, a version of this? And I was like, obviously, yes, <laughs> you can. So she designed uh, ears, yeah. which my main input was saying, I'd really like it if at the bottom you put mutable music things on the bottom. <laughs> and she said, sure, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> so on the bottom. Uh, and that had an envelope follower and a gate trigger and a um, uh, just a much better circuit that doesn't clip as much. But it's not quite loud enough to my mind, but you know, it was fine. Uh, and so she put that out. That was extremely successful. You see them everywhere. They have those ears ones. 4HP, just like yeah, it's mine was. Lovely. It's great muscle. Uh, then, uh, obviously, Emily is kind of retired and is no longer making modules. Steve has kind of inherited a lot of her kit and stuff and said, do you have any objection to us doing a music thing version of ears? Because it's not really available. Like, obviously. So that is the music thing version of ears, yeah. which is exactly the same, but it's a little bit louder. <laughs> No, literally all there is. It's twice as loud as the. Um, it doesn't say mutable music things, right? It but. doesn't say no because I didn't think she would want me to say mutable. That's on it. fair enough. Um, I was very pleased with the solder patch on the back there that you can't see. Very nice circles for soldering the thing onto the back. Yeah, okay. I like yeah, that. Anyway, as that was happening, as I was doing this, literally like a couple of weeks before it came out, uh, developing it with Steve and prototyping and stuff. Behringer released. What's it called? Pulses raid radar, I think uh, it's radar, radar, I think radar. Google it, but. where they it's got a kind of crazy like the black and green panel, yeah. And instead of being four HP, it's six HP, <laughs> yeah. Because on the back of this, on the back of ears, and on my version, you have these little pin headers, so you can change the response on the envelope follower and the get and stuff. They were like, what we should do is pull that out and stick it on the front with some little switches. I think it's got like not a proper knob, but a little trimmer, trimmer volume okay. and they charge like a hundred quid or something for it mm -hmm. so it's more expensive bigger <laughs> uglier and uh yeah i, I it couldn't have been happier really. <laughs> <laughs> i was you know proud obviously after all these years to be cloned by Ben finally but not particularly worried about that as a as a commercial product. So you're not worried that it will damage your sales? I mean, I don't think we're going to sell Varsums because I think pretty much everyone who's got modular has it's got ears. Niche, it's a niche. Um, like, it is a weird it's such a weird niche thing weird as well. niche concept. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was very funny. You were, But you were proud? You weren't annoyed or sort of like, you know... Not for that, no. There's all sorts of situations where I could be very annoyed or worried about it. Uh, but that, that was just... <laughs> It is a weird module. I mean, I've been taking, yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, making fun of Behringer copying things for, for 20 something years yeah, now, I think, indeed. pretty much. So, so that was, was, was absolutely I mean, it's fine. It's just the, right from the original, you know, April Fool's Behringer is making synths music thing. Yeah, they're going to make a mini move and it's going to be 300 quid. To Behringer has literally made a copy of one of my products. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, it was one of Emily's yeah, products. Yeah, I can't remember. But, yes. <laughs> but I, I credit you at least for, for the originated, the original idea. But I think it's, it's bizarre. It was. I mean, I suppose maybe it's just zero effort for them. Have you bought one and, and seen whether they've gone the same? You know, did they re-engineer re it or did they? I certainly haven't. But I mean, there's 
the thing with this, I mean, I had to re-engineer this. I started with um, with Emily's layer, and then I just wanted to move the LEDs around and stuff. So I I reworked it a little bit. But I mean, there's not much to it either way. Reworked her work. I just I didn't like where she she had the LEDs in a row there, and I couldn't work out which one went which. So I put the LEDs on here. That's pretty much it. My phone's died with the questions on it. Not that we're relying too much on them. <laughs> But yeah, that was that wasn't too much of a trauma. That I'm yeah. glad to hear that. I mean, it's I don't know how everyone else would feel. Obviously, Udi Beringer has been cloning other things and like the make noise maths. I think the make noise maths. I, Do you I, remember there was that picture about two years ago of a Beringer designer literally, with maths on his screen, literally with maths open and like their yeah. version of maths, and was like, oh, this is coming. I mean, it does show you the time frame. So it is whatever with quite a few years they're doing now will be two years out along yeah. so if if so they could easily be doing a full range of music thing modules yes exactly home, or whatever you know whatever whatever's hot now they'll be doing their like rabbit elephant natural gate and that sort of thing won't they i mean i'm not sure if they would go so deep a cut as that because i think um i think it has to be on toman's site but then but then ears is ears on was ears sold as a Full commercial thing. It was yes. It was, it was, a, was a standard. Like the first batch we sold through Thong. After that, it was just part of their normal the normal lineup. I have so, a, a feeling that it needs to be on Toman's. Like I, I have this weird suspicion that that's when it hits the radar. Yes, because Toman have sales charts that they post for everything they sell. Oh, so they're just running down there. Weirdly, you'll find that a lot of the, you know, the Behringer things are now number one. Yeah. But the thing they're clones of were number <laughs> number one thing. I um, mean, it's like Amazon, isn't it? It's like Amazon make the... If you have a big hit on Amazon, then they just copy it and sell them. Or every other supermarket in the world. Yeah, yeah there's like... Selling sort of cornflakes in the supermarket, then they're going to sell... More flakes. Have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, but but the mass thing I think is just especially all I will say is what I think is egregious is how it illustrates that math. Everyone, people are saying that maths is a copy. So why are you complaining about them copying? But again, you, you're just talking about internet people. I know. But uh, what I thought was, did you hear? Um, I obviously very much enjoyed it. Uh, that James Blake podcast. Where he was talking about his new album. Tape notes. Tape heads. Tape notes. Tape notes, yeah. yes. I very much enjoy it because he talks about Turing machines a lot. Yeah. He's obviously talking about the, the automatic crime version, I reckon, but that's neither here nor there. But he was really interesting about maths as well. His, his view on maths was basically once you understand maths, you understand modular. Yeah. Not in a kind of gatekeeper way, but just in a kind of once you see. All it is is voltages going up and down faster and slower. That's the whole thing. That's what an oscillator is. That's basically what a filter is. That's what everything else is. And I'd never heard it kind of explained quite like that from somebody completely musical and not technical at all. And I thought it was a really interesting take, that kind of... Mm. Once you once you get that, you you aren't like, I'm patching together pieces of sound like plugins or something yeah you're in modular world where you're kind of you're 
you're right in you're right in the voltage gonna sound really pretentious but there's something I, I always think that notion of what is modular is very important because it's it's when you're, you're it's the difference between all my devices have a sound in and a sound out and I just connect them together in a chain and they make their thing. Yeah. yeah, that's what affects pedals. boxes are or pedals. Are. The pedal mentality. Exactly. Uh, which I don't want to say mentality because that sounds very judgy, but it's like it's a different way of thinking. Whereas <laughs> the the idea of in in so one of the things I've been doing a bit of in in you read that David Tudor book where he does which I always talk about every time, but he he works at the most primitive level possible. So his device, he'd have a device like this big on a table with two sockets and they often aren't even marked as in and out because you can use it both ways around and in it will be a capacitor and a resistor and a knob and that's it and it's all passive and you need to have lots of little amplifiers as well to kind of bring it back but that idea from him he can kind of patch together these feedback loops and he can kind of do anything mm. um i think it's so kind of you know there's obviously a spectrum at one end you have i mean i suppose the surge stuff is quite it's almost quite like that. But at the other end, it's the like, I'm going to buy some enormous digital device that's got loads of in and out. So yeah, it's got in and out. It just gives but you that, the highest result. That notion of like, I can make this, but I need to patch it. And the way that then reduces your sort of gear acquisition, because you're like, well, I can, I've can, i already got I it. Can make it. I can make that, it. I mean, that inevitably happens. Like, if I'm like, there's some cool new thing... If I think about it hard enough, there's a yeah. way that I can use existing modules, which is not like like that little professor in the MS20 manual that's like, yeah. that's it, voltage control. It's like, yeah, it's true. And it, I think, as with all stuff, like getting into modular is, I see a lot, and it's something I always talk about, I was like, you see people who, their first modulars are just a load of cool modules. Yeah. They're not, they haven't bought utilities or plumbing or... But how would they know to as well? Exactly. It's a really hard thing to do. Exactly. And that, but it's that exactly as you're saying. It's like, if you get, once you get into it, the option of patch programmability, you know, being able to... How do I patch a drum, a kick drum? You're like, yeah. Which which module is good for a kick drum? It's like, all modules are good for kick drums. (laughs) In fact, there's no module that is not good for your thing drum. that's broken that goes boom that, yeah, when <laughs> like you plug it in that's a pretty good it's not good for your speakers but it will be fine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true yeah I mean I also love that he you know there was a charting album that had a riff that was quite obviously an Intelligel Metropolis well, more yeah. importantly, the charting album had a riff that was a Turing machine. Okay, yeah. yes. <laughs> and I think the but I particularly liked was he made this and then he rang up Brian Eno to ask what to do with it. <laughs> Not his Turing machine, but the thing he'd made. It, it was it, just a dream. It's nice to have Brian Eno on speed dial. It was all, all good. I thought that was so wonderful. You now need to make a module that's got a little screen. It's like, what would Brian say? Yeah. I mean... You keep talking about. I obviously I could design the Chat GPT little thing. The the the, the, the just the um, oblique strategies one. I mean, yeah. I, has somebody not done that? So, I've been thinking about doing a less oblique strategies, like you know, and just having like pointed things. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Like turn you know, up the turn the, up the reverb or turn down the reverb or just just like more pointed things. I think. So one of the things I've been doing with Chat GPT is and time is lots of just 
because it's so good at writing code. I mean, I find it absolutely incredible writing code. If you if you know how to, basically, if you know how to run code on your Mac, like if you know how to run like Python or something, which is not an enormous leap, you know, it's not it's built into it, and you can kind of do it. You know to like save a file called .py and then go into that folder in terminal and say Python whatever it is .py and it runs it. Once you know that, you can say to it make me, and I'm sure it does in other languages as well, but I sort of know Python, so it doesn't in that. I found amazing the things you can get it to do for you. So yesterday, a couple, few days ago, I had this idea about, not a particularly novel idea, about a patch generator. I was like, imagine a module that's got like six or eight modules in it. They've all got inputs and outputs. It's got a mixer on the end. I don't want to just randomly make connections, but I want to make suggest connections that are sound. So like you can't patch, you can only patch into yeah. a module once it's connected to an output. There's no point in just connecting patches. Exactly. Aren't connected anyway, so I literally over breakfast made a note, I was like, this is this would be the kind of logic of it, not much to it, the logic of it. And then I went to ChatGPT and I said I did normally I'll do it really step by step with this. It was like not that complicated. I just wrote in this block of text saying I want it to do this. I have a modular synth that has everything as inputs and outputs. I want you'll have to give me some kind of file that I can complete that gives you the list of modules. So give me a sample of that so I can just type in what they are. And then you need to have some rules that are true. So this idea, I was like this, I have this idea of an active module and not active module. It becomes active once something's patched from it into the mixer, and the mixer is always more active to start with because it's patched out to your speakers. Literally type this in. Go. Here's your file you need to put in the details of the modules. Here's the code. Works. <laughs> and then I was like, hmm, can you? And there was a couple of things that were just like literally me giving it feedback on it. I was like, it was. It, something in the logic wasn't quite right, like it seemed to be doing something. But what was then amazing was you start to look at these patches it produced. So, so I, I typed in like about six or seven modules, and it did start producing patches. I was like, that would be interesting. That's quite weird. It did lots of lots of just feedback because obviously it's as interested mm -hmm. in feedback as anything else. <laughs> And it would be like, okay, patch the sine wave into the mixer, patch the filter into the mixer, then patch the output from the mixer back into the sine wave FAM. And I was like, that would be great. But literally being able to go from there to there, that took 20 minutes, that entire coding process. I mean, and I now have that thing. Remarkable. And if I, if I wanted, I could say, I'd now turn it into JavaScript and I'll just make it on a web page. Just yeah, say, so, yeah. Or if I wanted to do something a bit more sophisticated, you can type in whatever, you could do that. The other, the really funny one I did, I met fantastic um, Portuguese modular guy, whose name I will now massacre, called João Pimento Gomes, I think is his name. Met him from Instagram. Yeah. He was in London, he was like, do you want to have lunch or something? So I said, great. He does this really interesting stuff with like, installations so he'll do installations in galleries where he basically has a self-playing patch 
often fed into some like big vintage speakers or something and you'll go into the gallery and that's what he does and he was talking about like how do i preserve the output of this in a kind of artistic way and he was like i should um maybe i'll just like record it on like half inch tape really so, so the, the artifact is this kind of you know beautiful recording of it I was like, no, you shouldn't do that. You should, uh, you should just print it out. <laughs> I said, you know, make a web file and then just print the numbers in a book. So you've got a physical book of the, of the sample, of the web. I was like, it'd be quite a big book. But then if you need to recover it, you just got to type the numbers in. It'd be fine. <laughs> and obviously, like this, I really like this idea. The next day, I was like, gosh, I should... That'd be really interesting, wouldn't it? So I, with that, I went to ChatGPT and it was really like step by step by step. So I was like, okay, I've got a WAV file and I got obviously the amen break. So it was like, whatever, like one and a half seconds, mono 16-bit WAV file I did in Audacity. So I had my file. First of all, can you take this WAV and turn it into a like a CSV file or a text file of the numbers. Spits out like three line Python program. Run it. Okay, now I've got a text file that's got the thing. I was like, now I don't want to like design this in InDesign. <laughs> and the text file is in the book. I want to make a PDF. Is there a, some kind of program I can use that can turn stuff into, into PDFs and make PDFs automatically? Yes, you can use this system or this system. I was like, let's use that system because it's Python and we're in Python. Okay, start by taking this file <coughs> and run it down a column. And then next to the column, take the number and offset it left or right. So it's like a waveform. So you've got a dot. Makes it. Does it? And I'm like, maybe three columns. <laughs> And, you know, occasionally it'll get it wrong or it will, you know, you have to go back and go, not like that or like this. Or you get an error message and you paste the error message in. Then I was like, what I'd really like is chapters because, you know, it's a book. So I went through the file and I was like, OK, there's a snare hit at like sample 23,000 and there's another kick drum at like 64,000. Made a little JSON file that just says 64,000 the kick drum arrives and it was like a headline and then an intro like a little <laughs> intro so it says okay now when you get to sample whatever in the file just go to a new page and then make a little header with like a thing on it <laughs> and it did it it was true so the next day i think it was the evening after i'd had lunch with this guy no, i was able to send him, send <laughs> him a 330 page pdf of the amen break in chapters with with all the, and it, I mean it could do with some typographic improvement but it was an amazing thing so I, if you're listening to this and you own a boutique <laughs> arts publisher I would love to work with you to number. make that a real publication sell it proof positive that Tom's sabbatical is just leading to complete thing. <laughs> we can sell it in the Cafe Otto gift shop yeah, yeah, yeah. wow but that should laminate every page. <laughs> it's just amazing the that ability to now write code in that way that is the, like it, is so beyond what we had a year ago. It it is 
amazing. Like, it's like, the fact is that it's basically what all of, you know, Siri was supposed to be. Yes. Siri's crap. It's totally Much crap. like I said to you on like WhatsApp, it was like, Siri is a DOS prompt. Yeah, it's, it's a DOS prompt, a bad DOS prompt at that. Yeah. And like, like DOS prompts, it never understands your format. And you're like, oh, is it CD no, space or is it CD space? And it doesn't know anything. Ugh. And whereas, but then, of course, there's this whole issue of it stealing people's information. Yeah. But, 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 you know, it can make music and it can, and it can provoke ideas and it can just make our lives easier. I, I got interviewed the other day by a guy doing his, um, like, uh, master's thesis and we like, talked for two and a bit hours and I have uh, I use Squadcast to do my remote podcast. Yeah. And Squadcast got bought by Descript, and Descript's like this sort of AI powered like transcription service. And you can just drag your WAV file into Descript, and it goes, "Oh, Gives how many spe- how many speakers are there?" Yeah. To this is Alex, this is the other person, and then you hit go. And in five minutes, it has a, a good transcription. Not a perfect one, but a pretty good one with our names next to everything we said. So it alternates, it's broken up. And like, Do you think wow. we should... Another book for the Cafe Auto gift card. <laughs> should we make the uh, Why We Bleep Tom and Alex um, book? Yes. But you can transcribe the whole thing. Instead of it being the transcription, it should be a transcription of the WAV file of the whole conversation. <laughs> it could include that as an appendix, and it could be this thick. <laughs> I, mean, I, uh, I, I mean, you could self-publish. There's a, if you look up there, you see that blue book with Cementimental on the side? Cementimental. Yes. Yeah, right in the middle, just grab that book. So this is a, a print-on-demand book. By this fantastic kind of noise artist in London. His pages are and it's, funny colours. It's a noise uh, noise graphic novel. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I mean, I can hear sounds as I. You can hear. I almost I think like pages. I think of these as like graphic scores. You look at this and you're like let's let's play that. Yeah. When we form our band, you know, we can do that one. I mean, yeah. And then maybe that could be for the second album. Bit more intense yeah, that yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, as a you know, or you could work out what's the story behind each one. I just think it's such an amazing thing. And this is like print on demand, so he he, I guess, just created the file. What's this? And then then you, I don't know what that is, but you you then send it off, and I think they just cost like fifteen quid or something. It's an amazing thing. I, yeah, like. The whole, the whole thing of the assistant, the assistant, not the, not the dictator, not yeah. my manager, not my boss, my assistant, that will, you know, will do that and just make life easier for you. Well, I always think about it in terms make of things real. The comparison with Google. So, I started working in journalism pretty much at the time that Google was becoming mass. Before Google, say I wanted to find out anything as a journalist. I had to know the right person to ring up, have their phone number, or go to the library to find something out, to put in an article. Then Google came along, you didn't have to do that, you just Googled it. Look it up. And that fundamental shit completely changes the job of being a journalist. Like, I, I worked on work experience when I was at, at journalism school, where we would go to the Sunday Times... And our jo- I remember once my job was to ring up and try and talk to bishops. <laughs> Can't remember what the story was. It's like two or three of us. We all turned up on a like must have been probably like a Thursday. 
went and sat in the Sunday Times offices and got a list of bishops and we had to ring them up and ask them about some great bishop scandal that was going on at the time. What do you think? And most of them were like, no, I don't want to talk to you. But then eventually they got a bunch of quotes and then they get a story on Sunday saying, you know, bishops say whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's not how you do it now, I don't think. <coughs> now you just chat to your PC, what would a bishop say? <laughs> what would a bishop say? They just make it up. Ah. Oh. But yeah, that as a tool, as a, as a, as a helper. It's insane. Yeah. It's actually like, it's, it is it is the sort of out, you know, the outsourced brain, that, but genuinely useful. Like, I give me some, give me some answers, like, or, or organise some information for me. It's that ambition thing, like, like I was talking about earlier. It's the, you could do this, you could work at this level, because that's the level you're working at, that's what you can do. But now, because you have this ability... You can work at a higher level. You have to work at a higher level because otherwise you're just, you know, you have to be able to generate a printed book of a WAV file within a matter of hours. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, how you it. how are you going to be able to live? Otherwise, Uli's going to do it for you. It's just when the, the AI prompt is coming up with the creative projects themselves, not just the results, but just like what are its ideas of what it thinks art is. I mean, see, I, d- I don't, I don't see much risk of that at the moment. Well, it's, very it's, the... it's no different to a Turing machine. It still requires a human to sort of decide whether to have it around them or not. Yeah, you know, and to put it on a shelf or to put it in the bin. I mean, it's really interesting what's happened with the visual ones. So, like when Dali first came out, I thought it was absolutely incredible because it could do any style and it could do photorealistic things. Yeah. So you could say, generate a picture of grumpy three grumpy-looking English women, and you you were like, I know her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it like was, really it was, realistic. It's weird that she's got seven fingers, but <laughs> I do know her. And then I would say, like, make me a uh, Walter Sickert painting of a woman playing a modular synth. And it did that. Mm. And it looked like a Walter Sickert painting. Dali 3, you're down now has had all of that taken out of it because of copyright. It won't generate anything photorealistic. Oh. Everything in it looks like weirdly airbrushed if it's even trying to do a, pho- a photograph. Its default position is like, you know, fancy internet forum illustration. So it absolutely won't do anything. It won't do anything in a style of any artist who died less than 100 years ago. So if you say Walter Sickert, I think it just says no, or it <laughs> ignores it and does like a generic style. It won't do a Picasso, it won't do anything like that. And it won't do... And it's, it's photographs just look like weird and airbrushed. And it has this weird... Like humans are all like incredibly skinny and like elongated kind of model creatures now. And it's, it's like they've, and I'm sure it's because they've said much too much of a risk. We've got to take no out way. anything copyright, anything remotely, and anything that looks like a photograph because we get in trouble if it generates photographs. Well, this is that thing you were saying to me before we started talking for this podcast of aren't you supposed to dictate the limits to people? And but sometimes people just want to like flex and do all kinds of shit. You don't know what people are going to come up with. That's very true. But uh, that is a shame. Well, also, it's, it's, it's. I think they're amazing, those it's, tools. It's Dali, which is OpenAI, which has got, you know, hundreds of billions of pounds, well, tens of billions of pounds of investment from Microsoft. 
they can't take any risk. I think people like Mid Journey and the other ones, where their yeah, entire business is to try and make shiny fast breakthroughs, <laughs> they're not doing it. But it was it was extraordinary, and and I think you also see that I, I can imagine a moment. ChatGPT is in a kind of perfect world where yeah. it's read all of GitHub, it's read all of Stack Overflow. It really doesn't know how to program. If you started saying you're not allowed those. You break it. Then you break it. And at the moment, it is it is absolutely extraordinary the way it I've been listening to Jaron Lanier oh, yeah. doing talks. And one of the things he's like is the solution to this is attribution. Is, and payment. Uh, yeah. And yeah. like, you know, he has this sort of, I can't remember like the exact details of his kind of micropayments thing. But, but, but yeah, like you, but fundamentally you at least attribute. So that in the research result, you know, in the result, because here are the sources. Here's how I arrived at this. So but you, have you then have to pay them because that's how copyright works. Yeah, yeah. Because the the I mean the New York Times are suing OpenAI oh. because they just got it to generate large chunks of the New York Times with the right prompt. It produced, and they're like, "This is the only way can do this is it's read the New York Times." Well, literally, it's the same text. I mean, right. It's like it's not even different text. I mean, it shouldn't do it, but it that's what it did. Yeah, that's weird. It um, shouldn't do it. But, yeah, that sense that it's it might be that it's not going to be a straight line. It gets better and better. I think it's so remarkable with, with, with Dali that it's it's kind of been lobotomized and it's gone away. And it's now something that is probably much more useful if you're like a business and you want to make some clever. Well, the fact of the matter is that, like, you know, I, I think the genie is out of the bottle now. So it's not, there'll just be other ones that will go. There will, but it's not, it's not straight. You know, it's not going to carry on on this trajectory to suddenly become better and better. It's going to zigzag. It's going to go up and down. There'll be troughs of despair. There'll be like, you know... Like you developing modules. Yeah. Um, Did you buy any gear? You've made gear. And you've got rid of things. Since last time, I swapped the DX7 for a Profit 6. Happy with that? Yes, it's amazing. It's very good to have a, a... proper like somebody who really wants to make a good synthesizer that works perfectly and is and is who's the person who doesn't want well Don Buckler Don Buckler was looking for something very different most of the things I buy are looking for something very different like you know they're they're esoteric or they're trying to be weird well you build things that only make sound when you move or don't move. yeah exactly <laughs> so so i think it's been really well most things only make sound when you move or don't move, yeah to be fair. but i um, i uh so i'd like to i would probably if somebody wants to buy a profit six they should probably get in touch because i'm probably ready to move on from it uh but it's for what it's beautiful for 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 the headspace to not I don't know. It's fine. It's. it's uh, I just. I'm not sure what I would get next. Then I bought an M8. Oh yeah. Which I really liked. It's nice. Um, no, it's a beautiful thing. Have you made any music with it? No. Oh. I haven't made any music with anything. <laughs> not even with like getting ChatGPT to like produce. No, I wasn't. Could you just make some music for me? Wasn't, please? I wasn't that interested. I mean, I. I should. I'm now so, at the moment, I'm so deep in kind of designing this thing that I'm designing. And it's so kind of, you know, there's a particularly joyful point, which I'm in at the moment, that when it is completely all-encompassing. So you're thinking about, 
like I said, you're talking about, is this the right diode? And you're thinking about what does the front panel look like? And you're thinking about how do I explain this to people? And how will people come to it? And how will I develop it over time? And all, all that stuff at once. At the moment, it's just this kind of blast of all of those things happening. That sounds quite delightful. It's brilliant. I mean, that's what I love. That's, what, that's what's really exciting. And it is quite... I had a really interesting moment it was only a few weeks ago where I was thinking about what I was doing and realised that it's it's probably quite like writing a book and it's the writing book is the sort of thing people do on a sabbatical they will Mm -hmm. take off a year and they will produce a book and then they will go to a publisher and the book will come out and sometimes the book will be an enormous success and it will change the rest of their career Sometimes the book kind of flops and is, is not a thing, but it's a thing you do for that kind of period. And I realised that the thing I'm designing is much more like a book. Maybe the things I've designed in the past are more like articles or a magazine. And magazines nearly as much work as a book, but it's definitely compressed. But it's much more like that. And that, for me, was a really interesting kind of mental breakthrough. And I could then see, OK, I've taken a bunch of time off work. I'm making a big thing. And that makes sense. That kind of is an understandable thing to do. I could kind of explain it to myself. Uh, and that, yeah, that was a really interesting breakthrough. And then I started thinking about, well, if a, the, the sort of bigger thing I'm making now is a book, and if a normal module is an article, what then is a fanzine? What are the other kind of editorial-like <laughs> objects you have? Um, I thought that was kind of just, just an interesting way of thinking about mm. the kind of activity. What... What's a thing that you can make in, you know, a busy weekend? What's a thing that you can make in a couple of weeks of evenings that you can then put out in the world? Because those things are kind of important and interesting and people do good, you know, fanzines and things like that. And the, I mean, blogs, I suppose, that sort of thing. What's the equivalent of a blog? I always loved the, the way um, nonlinear circuits in Australia, I mean, not quite, but almost had a kind of, felt like at a publishing cycle. I think he would do a workshop every month or every so often, and he had to have a new module for each one. Oh, I see. And that was such a brilliant discipline, and it's meant he produces such crazy, esoteric ideas. He's not like, this will be the big one. He's like, well, I need something for next month. What's it going to be? There's this paper I read, you know, 15 years ago, and I reckon I could make that work with some more pounds. So basically what you're saying is you need a deadline. That's the other truth of it, yeah. You really need a deadline. That's the... Um, I mean, I've tried a number of techniques. That's the problem I have, like, not, not having deadlines, doing my own personal projects and stuff that I'm doing. It's, it's a problem. But I don't have a manager, but we've agreed that's probably a good thing. Although I did recently try the uh, Cal Newport's time block planner thing, which is where you, like, organise every hour of the day and there is a system for dealing with the fact that days change. And you... Do you because there's a manager, like for me, having Steve at Thonk is a really powerful, important thing in that it's more like, it's kind of like an editor and hmm. I have somebody to go to and say, what do you think? What do you think? I have somebody who's yeah. really good on kind of, we will often just exchange emails where I'll be like, I'm thinking about doing like this. What do you reckon? And then sometimes he's really excited, and somebody's like, 
but somebody said they really like this like, just keep it simple or he'll be like that's great but we don't have to do that now that can be later mm. um, and that is incredibly important for me and if you've got nobody like that for you it would be worth thinking about I wonder Getting if he's thinking chat GPT to do <laughs> no but thinking about is there a way you can identify that kind of role for you whether it's for your clients, whether it's like a mentor or whatever it is, that would be because it's a really. I would feel very lost, I think, without that. A manager, is it? Is I, it a I, I, or is it an editor? I, I always, well, I always, I, I don't think Steve's particularly convinced by. I think it was his metaphor originally, but the idea of Funk as a record label, yeah, for hardware, which I don't think is really terribly true, but I think for me and him that's what it's like it's like he's the he's the label boss mm. he's not really the manager but it's just just having somebody who has a little bit of a stake and cares enough to to want to reply but is just able to just literally bounce an idea i mean it's bouncing idea is the basic mm. thing it's the kind i do have like we have a uh, signal chat with myself and a number of other <laughs> youtubers yeah. And that is is kind of like our water cooler. Yes. And that's, so I'm for, sure that's useful. Like a bunch of other people who do the same thing, who don't have bosses per se, and yeah. and just make the same kind of things. And it's it's an opportunity to vent and to, to also just be like, what should I do? You know, in this situation, or I'm struggling. I just think I'm struggling is with that the, where you all come together to decide what's good and what's bad. Yeah, exactly. And what's too expensive and what's the not cabal, expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, we're all paid to, to obviously yeah. say what's good. You sit at your teenage yeah. engineering tables when you're... If I'm paid this much, it. it's good. Yeah. <laughs> if not, it's bad. Yes. Uh, that's how it works. Has anyone been evicted for bad bad YouTubing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's... <laughs> can't talk that, about them. They've oh. been erased. What was I going to say? Oh, no, it's gone. Basically, well, it's a support network, and it's also... Um, yeah, it's a it's a rant network. <laughs> That's the the fact of the matter. But it's also yeah, it's like actually that was it. I was what I was going to say was, I had an incident because I'd been doing a video about this this the torso sequencer, you know, the torso T one, and I had a very interesting, very difficult. But it is I'm I'm taking it as a kind of learning opportunity in my frustrations, which is that right. I found it really hard to learn that device. Yeah, and because I. When someone buys a KO2, they can make an Instagram post and say, I love it, but they don't understand everything that it does. No. And those people can also make a YouTube video where they just make a cool beat. Yeah. And they're only using 10% of the the device. And they're not explaining any of it to, to the user. Whereas, unfortunately... For muggins here, if I'm going to make a video about the KO2, I actually have to learn how the fucking thing works. Uh, and and it, it's problematic because some of the like learning styles vary. And and, and, and interface and technologies, the styles of yeah. some things you just won't get on with. Exactly. Well, it may not be for me. Ironically, though, the Torso T1 has many things. It, it, it is a brilliant device. It's, it's brilliant. And it is really successful as a design, I think. It's also quite easy to use. It has a number of very obtuse aspects to it. And those are the ones that have like have stymied me through like the naming of it. But also, ironically, because of the manual, yeah. it has a manual 
that is designed by this guy who is writing amazing manuals. They're really, really deep. And I feel bad like bringing it up in this context. I yeah. don't want to denigrate. This person will see this. But like, I, I mean truly that they are good manuals because... but. But there's a simple fact, which is that the manual for the Torso T1 is, guess how many pages? 700. That's a really good guess. You are off, <laughs> but you are in the right the sort of end of things. It's 230 pages long. And it's a, it's a device with 18, it's just a little long slab with 18 knobs and 16 buttons. It's for our earlier conversation. Which one? Oh, what the... Well... But the fact, like, that <laughs> manual, it goes into the extreme depth, extreme depth, yeah. and, it, and it explains the very notion of sequences, and it, it starts, yeah. I think, without assumed knowledge. But what I found incredibly difficult about it was that because it's 230 pages, aspects of, like, aspects of this knob yeah. and this knob are separated by 40 pages. Yeah. And that's that's what's I'm finding really complex. It's so difficult with with this. I mean, as I said, with that, I I just found the complexity of it. I suppose the other thing is you do just have to spend time learning it. Yeah, I mean, well, it's hard. You know, and some of these things are really hard. Yeah, some reason. And some like like that was why that's really the manual for that. Yeah, yeah. And if if there's something that's not in there. In. then you probably shouldn't have to do it really I mean it's kind of it's not and, yeah. and it's interesting when you're doing when you're labeling uh, the fronts of devices as well I always think if you can get away with not labeling something then that means it's like the the main knob on a Turing doesn't have a label what's it going to say does it main knob <laughs> I don't even know lock. what it's called it, it could lock, say lock. lock I think some people who've done aftermarket panels will say lock but I never lock, even refer to lock it as one way, the, lock another way. I always just call it a main knob. I should probably call it lock. Why didn't you label it? Because it doesn't have a name. Because you don't need to. And what, what would you say? As soon as you've watched a video, what else could it do? It's the knob. I mean, like those don't have labels on them. No, but that's because they could say one, two, three, four. No, I mean, it could, but it doesn't. But that wouldn't help. But but but. Like with the Turing machine, it's not obvious unless you've been told or you've spent time and worked it out that it locks. But if you one, haven't, but one that, bar one yeah. way and two bars. But the other that way notion the of of I mean, there's a bit in the original video. Basically, if you haven't seen that bit in the video, what what, what is the thing? I mean, there's a video where it has it showing a randoms pattern, and then you hear a melody and you flip it and it locks. If you haven't seen that, you can't buy the. Th you know, you wouldn't. What? What would it you, be for? What would, it. There is no possible purpose to the device. It's like a steering wheel doesn't have a sign on it saying steering wheel. <laughs> you know, what else would it be? That's a fair. That's um, a good analogy. And I was, you know, it's things like if you've got, if you've got an oscillator. I mean, yeah, actually, on a DPO, the oscillator says frequency on it. So on control, I didn't put a little sign saying control. Knob. knob. Yeah, but, but that's say because it does different things. Because these can't... You could put 1 to, to 8, but actually it might be 9 to 16 if you're using... Well, also to, you can flip it so it's the other way around. That too. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's just, I, I think it's really interesting when you get that. It's also, I think, when you learn... There's a real question about when you learn a device. Like, on a radio music, would anyone read 
the knobs, read, read the labelling, after using it for like a minute. I mean, there's there's a there's a there's one a, button and there's one knob. There's two knobs. There's a start, there a start, a start and, and, a, and a station. Yeah. And you feel like when you've got the start, when you when you've understood the concept, it's like a radio doesn't have a knob set <coughs> tuning on it normally. Doesn't it? I bet the big knob doesn't. I bet like Dieter Rams would have liked to remove it if he could. I bet his. But doesn't. however, I suppose my point is only that the problem is that when you design a device and you do put labels on it it's inviting and i think a lot of my confusion has come from labels well the device itself has has some similarities in what some of the knobs do yeah on the face of it they almost look like they do set the same thing but they have different names and they do indeed have different functions and, and that's and it's yeah. and, and it's adding the names has always been the confusion because uh, and are all knobs the same size and in a line? Yes. Because that's the other thing, I think, yes. is when, you, when you're when you designing something is where you don't have a hierarchy of controls. Yes. And where, like on a, on a DPO, you know, there's a lot of knobs, but there is a very clear hierarchy of what's being... It's well, big same ones. Assuring, it's you know, there's a very clear hierarchy. You've also got the nice text... I'd use these rotary switches and everything if you could, but they're just yeah, quite they're expensive nice. and big, but... That that's a really nice. You know, just to go to the end and go back to to get yeah. to whatever. You don't have to look. Um, you shouldn't ever have to look. And I think when we're doing like, yeah, the, the that it would be really interesting to try and understand how many, how often people read the labels on mm. the devices in a modular, particularly if they're actually playing something. So in some ways, that then means the labels are actually marketing. Mm. So that when you look at it, you can understand it and you like, I like them. And that's why people get angry about like make noise stuff. They look at maths and go, I am angry about maths because I don't understand it. And actually, does maths have any labels on it? Yeah, definitely does. Mine doesn't. What? Mine's an old school one. I suppose rise and fall are kind of yeah, labels, aren't they? Yeah, rise and fall are and in the mining box. Are they going to and then there's plus and minus near the attenuators. And then there's inputs indicated for the arrows. And then there's EOR, SOM, OR, EOC, LINLOG. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, fair enough. Take it all back. But uh, yeah, this is not... To, I, I feel bad singling out this device because it's, no, I think it's, it's a also very different all the manuals. It's like, but it's just... What is illustrated is that, that I... We all have different like learning styles, and and sometimes an overabundance of information can actually be counterproductive. Is it like, do you get on with electron stuff? Uh, I've got that an Octatrack feels like recently. something that people yeah, yeah. either love and get example. into, and I've never, never really used. I saw them. an absolutely sensational comment that someone said the manual for the Octatrack yeah. is a fantastic, fantastic document once you understand how the Octatrack works. I think that's really true of manuals, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is makes also complete sense uh, if it's more of a reference manual. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know that is the problem is that the your manual writing is very hard because you are, you know, you're space restricted and also you know, it's people have different knowledge levels. You just can't assume you know that they know what that is. What depth do you go into it? Historically, some you know like synth manuals are great and some are terrible. Like yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could... I have many rants I could go on about. I was about trying to manuals. find my um, easel manual, which I've printed out somewhere, which is a beautiful manual. Is that the uh, the, the electro-organism thing? Yeah. 
The book, the Alan Strange on. one. Yeah. Well, I have I have the little manual version, not the yeah yeah Alan Strange wrote programming the electrical yeah, exactly. mechanism. Yeah, programming and meta programming and meta programming, which again refers back to something we were talking about earlier was the meta programming. That's normalization is the meta programming. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that is the cards, but yeah. Um, I mean, I just love the picture of the weasel. Weasel, <laughs> weasel. Literally, I will put that on a t-shirt and I will buy it all day long. <laughs> Well, um, should we look at our pictures? Yes, we should. <laughs> oh, yours is really good. Thanks. I do draw. Yeah, like, that's very good. Mine much. is a little bit more abstract, but it it does. <laughs> oh, I, I seem to have got eyes. the top of your head slightly wrong. You you actually wrote I actually wrote computer, computer controlled as well. You had a good go at yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll this up. That's well. very good. Beautiful. I think that's. I this think is that's all right, isn't it? That's very good. I also got. And hang on, you got this mouth perfectly floating in the right spot without looking. Yeah. Because yes. I have a, you know, it's just. See, I'm not sure what this bit was. Yeah, but you've only got one ear, though. <laughs> you've got two eyes, but they don't really connect with your glasses much. What's this? Oh, are these my glasses? That's an ear. I think that's glasses. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Good. I love it. Well. Well, I'm going to keep those. I've thrown them. They're yours. Yeah. Here's to another year. Absolutely. Happy building. Looking forward to your electro-organism. Yes. It'll be good. I, I have a very clear deadline, which is that that um, event. Is that in May? It's in April. So I need... April, May follows. And Superbooth And then Superbooth, it will... Superbooth. All being well, it will be at Superbooth. Oh, well, that's very exciting. But I, I mean, obviously, we need to work out whether we will have... Stock. We won't have like hundreds of stock. I so think, I think I that's don't the, think you need hundreds of stock. You just need you need a fairly final version which you'll have had to have made. We would definitely well, I mean I say definitely there's always possible horrors that can happen, but I think um we should have something to show that well, yeah, I I don't I, it's really a decision for Steve to say. Yeah. Does he want to show here's a thing we're making that is gonna come in the next few months, or would he rather say, I always remember one super booth and I showed five things <laughs> and some of them took like two or three years to come out and one of them's never come out. Which was that? That was the guitar pickup in a panel. Why not? <laughs> I, think that Why actually, I think actually, I'm pretty sure I've His seen, time has come. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've seen kits of them at Thonk. What? I just think it never got released. We could never find the right pickup. Oh, but the kits were made. I think so. I definitely, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen a folder saying Electrophony on it or, or a little bag. So if you want a slightly uh, elderly and not tremendously useful device, get in touch with Steve. <laughs> you just described most of music technology. You can probably pick up a, a Move as well while you're at it. A what? The Move one that's going to... The, oh, yeah, no, I do want that. You should get one. Is that actually... Can you buy that? Yeah, yeah, they were... They, they did, like, a hundred of them. It's, I kind of do want that. I've got one here. There it is. It's actually really fun. It's got the PIR sensor in the front, and then it's got two... It's got... Uh, that's a relay, so it clicks furiously. Yeah, yeah. And then... That's what it clicks. This is... This inverts it. So if you do it on move, it passes a signal mm. when you're moving. There, it passes a signal when you stop. And then flip, I think, reverses it. 
Because you can also feed it back, so it makes, a, makes an oscillator. Oh. Because if you patch that into that, it clicks and then it clicks back and clicks oh. and clicks back. Uh, and I, what I really like is using it for panning. <laughs> so you put a clock into it and then you just patch it left and right. You get the hardest possible kind of clicky left-right panning. That's quite fun. And you can stand in front of it. <laughs> but yeah, it's very clicky and um, pleasing. Also, if you leave it, uh, if you have it in your modular, I think it's probably worth taking it out, it will obviously just click all the time. Because oh, as you move, so you go, look, why is it doing that? And so you then end up, <coughs> if you patch something into, into flip, it then stops. It stops clicking. It's a very pleasing thing. Yes, sirree. Thank you, Tom, as ever. Thank you, thank you for sharing your thoughts and um, ideas with me. You have probably heard some of the clues, did you? The things, the thing that Tom is developing. He was sewing them throughout, intentionally or not. So look for the music things coming soon. Tom has this residential that he is doing. I'm going to link it below and around. I think there are still places left at the time that this will go out. And of course, Tom is the person behind Music Thing. Music Thing make modules and they make kits that you can get from Thonk. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution, but if you're on the fence, like soldering really is easy. Like you can teach yourself, watch some YouTube videos, you can learn how to do it. And like his mini drive thing is a very, very good first kit. It's mostly done for you, but it's just a few through hole bits that you solder or solder to uh, use the American term. So yeah, Tom's amazing. And I wish him well on his sabbatical. And I will be thinking about ChatGPT, I think. Holy crap. For example, after this conversation, I was like, oh, can I just like make it make a web page where the words Mylar Melodies spin around in 3D text over a flashing background? And I was like, oh, can you just make me a web page that will do that? And in 10 seconds, it had spat out the code and I pasted it into Chrome and it did it. Yeah, another thing I saw some people doing apparently with ChatGPT is that, and I think you need the paid version, you can upload the manuals to products and ask ChatGPT questions about the product. And I think it can answer. I saw someone doing that. I tried to upload a PDF and it wouldn't let me, but I think if you pay for it, if you pay like the $20, then you can. It's kind of wild what is possible Um with that thing uh, as a truly AI-powered assistant. One of the other things that we were sort of hinting at was this Rabbit thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but Rabbit, it's like this startup company and basically they have this teenage engineering designed little yellow pocket device and you push a button and you talk to it and it's what Siri should be. It, it, it literally... You can speak natural language to it, kind of articulate your thoughts as best you can, ask it to do things, and it can do things, perform actions, which involve it actually using apps invisibly that you are logged into. So it's sort of slightly weird, but I feel like we're on the cusp of something. Like we're on the cusp of AI-powered assistants being helpful for once. 
uh, unlike the ones in our phones. And I really don't understand why the rabbit thing is not just a... Why is that not just an app? Uh, because I would love to have that in my phone where I could, it could really do things. But I guess there's a permissions level thing that, that if it is interacting with apps, then obviously apps can't interact with other apps. Yeah, always interesting, Tom. And I hope you found it useful. I hope you've learned something. And I hope you will stick with us for we have many more bleeps to come. In fact, I'm sitting on a little nest of bleeps with more being recorded all the time, it seems. So if you'd like to support bleeps, here's the bit. It's patreon.com forward slash melodies. There are benefits. There's a Discord community. There is also this weird reading of Whistle and I'll Come to You that I did at Christmas. You can get on the Patreon and go and listen to that. It's like an hour of me reading you a ghost story. MR James is awesome. Love MR James. Uh, and I'll put links below to other things that Tom hinted at and signposted so that if you want to dig through and seek a little inspo, if you have a little bit of time, please do. Please share this episode. If you've enjoyed what you hear, tell your friends because that is free and incredibly valuable in order to help this thing grow. There is more to come. Thanks very much, friend. We'll see you next time.